here we are. Thank you so much for coming and joining us. This is Kinder Gardens, all things Palladian and alien. And this is with our wonderful uh, guest speaker, Bill Watkins. And I'm so excited to have you here, my friend. We go back many, many years. I'm going to give you a little bit of a history with uh, Bill and I, and uh, you're going to see why synchronicity being one of his favorite words, has brought us together so that we can join forces and really help some messages get out to the world. So we are excited about that. So I would like to, first of all, do a little bit of an outline. Um, we would like to help you know that this is actually a, uh, a live landing uh, link that we're going to be sending and putting onto our Telegram page and our Facebook page. This will allow you to go back and to use this information. Um, there's lots of links that we've included. And again, anyone who knows what we do, we are all about feeling. And I usually take about a week to put together one of these programs. And Kim and I did it within 24 hours. So thank you, Kim. My goodness, having you as my right hand where I'm like, Kim, I need this. I need that. I was also messaging Bill saying, Bill, I need some information. Um, it, we were able to build just a beautiful platform and a program where you can go and learn so much. And one of the things you're going to learn tonight is about the planet Elohim. So as anyone who has watched the interview from Bill doing some translations within the Bible, we have discovered that the word father is actually a place. And as a result of that, we have also discovered that it is a planet. And we're going to show you where it is today. And also in relation to where it is as far as where we are on Earth. We're going to talk about the Palladians. So this is a big one. Again, a lot of people have heard about the Palladians and to have an actual contactee among us. My goodness, it's fantastic. Darren and I work with the Palladians as well, but to have somebody that's been doing it for 20 years. Uh, fascinating. The Palladians just started reaching out to me, you know, or about a year ago, but to have someone who they've been working with for, you know, 20 years, my goodness, you can only imagine the relationship that this man has with them. So we'll be talking about the Palladians, where they live, why they are contacting uh, specific um, people right now, Bill being among them, and certain traits to look for even within yourself to see if you have a strong Palladian pull. Again, you're not just limited to one form of uh, our ancestors. You're not just Arcturian. You're not just Palladian. You're not just Syrian, Lemurian. You, you, in our DNA, we have many strands. We've been embedded and planted with the, the seeds of much consciousness within the universe. But at this time, our Palladian DNA DNA is activating quite actively. And the reason for that is because they are the closest to us. They look the most like us. So it's easier for them to connect with us and for us to connect with them because they do have a similar appearance. So we'll be talking about that a little bit. I'll actually share my experience that I had with Darren and the three Palladians that uh, showed themselves to me. So fascinating. We'll talk about the Hammurabi code. Uh, as you know, Bill has mentioned this. Um, he believes he has the other half to the Hammurabi code. And it's fascinating. Darren is going to be putting his little equity twist on this as well, which just 
is so exciting when you really understand how equity plays into this and how they've really removed that. There's so much legal, but as far as what is universal, that's something different. Gil has also talked about remote viewing, and this is a fascinating um, extra, well, not extraterrestrial, it's an extrasensory um, ability where you can actually sense with your mind certain targets based on tapping into the frequency or the vibration of a specific um, energy. And it doesn't matter about distance, it doesn't matter about time, um, when it happened, as long as you can lock into that channel, you're able to actually go and view things. And the government has been using this for a very long time. It was wonderful having the opportunity to go and feel the energy of the internet and watch as my team brought me through so many different wormholes. Oh my goodness. I can't begin to tell you how many I went down, <laughs> but I could feel it instantly when it was a wormhole I had to get out of versus one that resonated with me. And I checked in even with Bill and with Kim to make sure that, you know, this was the, the frequency that we wanted to deliver. And of course our team as well. And then I'm going to teach you guys how to connect with these beautiful extraterrestrial beings. Um, this is what's beautiful about them connecting with us right now is that they want to connect with us. They want us to know that they are there. And like anything, if everything is energy, it's just about now tapping in or tweaking, tuning into that energy to be able to hear the information. So we're going to be talking about that. There's three things I'm going to give you. I'm not going to overwhelm you, but this is going to open up your communication so that you're going to start getting your messages, get a lot clearer and see the big picture on this. And then finally, we're going to finish up with some questions and answers. And uh, Bill and Divergence is going to answer your out of this world questions. We have compiled them. We found 10 major ones. A lot of them are going to be answered just through us going through this. But again, anything that we haven't covered, you are well Welcome to ask it at the end. And that includes you, Easton. If you have any questions, you just let uh, Bill know, okay? <laughs> Wonderful. So Darren is here. I'm going to bring him in now. So just one moment. All right, come on in. Oh, I guess I have to move all my stuff, don't I? <laughs> okay, beautiful. So without further ado, let's introduce Mr. Bill Watkins. He is a Palladian contactee. He has been contacted for quite some time. He's an Inca shaman. He has a huge Christian background, which is fantastic having to be able to go and, and, and pull from so many scriptures, so much knowledge. And as we know, there's a lot of what's happening is involved and prophetic of what's happening and depicted in the Bible. He has a level three Melchizedek method. Can you please explain that, Bill? What exactly is that? Oh, well, nobody's asked me that question in a long time because the reason is that hardly anybody knows about what, even what it is. Uh, you could explain, it's explained on the, uh, on the if you Google it, uh, there's all kinds of information, but basically it has to do with um, uh, transportation, transportation, uh, um, elect, uh, what do you call it? Transportation, mental depth, and uh, levitation. Now, 
no, I can't levitate. Uh, I took the course. I uh, wish I could levitate. You know, that's coming. So it's all of these things about uh, increase. Oh, the main thing is how to increase your vibration. If you uh, Google uh, the Melchizedek method, there's a lot of things on there. It's about the flower of life and, and, and increase how to increase your, your vibration and all that. Just what uh, Jody in there in a talk uh, teaching. So that's that would be another tool. And uh, but uh, yes, it's been a few years ago, and I haven't really. Uh, it's been I've been involved with so much of the uh, uh, like um, Palladian and shaman persuasion and uh, getting messages from like uh, listening to the remote viewers. I just haven't had time to spend much time with the Melchizedek method, but it's very interesting. And I would suggest you uh, Google it and uh, maybe you could learn something from there. Absolutely. And you are an energy healer as well. And that's, I think, what initially attracted <laughs> me to Bill. And I have to say, as far as Bill and I's history, um, we used to work trade shows together. And I had my business and him and his wife had their candy fudge business. So whenever you went to a trade show, if you wanted a candy apple, you wanted popcorn, you want a lemonade. This was the man that you went to. He was in the background making it. And we, I, I noticed him right away and he looks just like my father <laughs> and it's unparalleled. And I am actually estranged from my, my parents uh, for over 20 years. And so to see someone who looks just like my dad, I, yes, he, was a, he, he was a, been a handsome man. <laughs> he was well, very handsome. <laughs> Well, by, by the way, let me correct you for a moment about this trade show business. And you, you, you mentioned that I uh, was making stuff in the background. I'm, I think my wife might be watching this eventually. Now she is the maker. She's that makes the fudge. Uh, it's her business. I just hang on with both hands. So I don't want to go that to go by with, you know, everybody thinking that I did it. She's the one that made it. But it's okay, this go is ahead. True. Her fudge is off the charts, no doubt. <laughs> but yes, when I went up to, I just walked up to him and I just said, I just have to say, you just look like, so you look so much like my dad. And, you know, throughout our conversations, he knew and found out that I was estranged from him. And at one point he says, well, then you probably need this, don't you? And he wrapped his arms around me and gave me a big hug. And I will <laughs> never forget that. And thank you for that, Bill. And from that point on, you know, like I would just let people walk by because I was so fascinated by these Palladian conversations I was having with this man. He was introducing me to things I'd never heard of before. But when I just listened to it, you want to talk about levitate. My soul did. My my aura did. He uh, he just lit something up in me. And we just kept talking and we kept our relationship um, intact. And, you know, back then when we were doing this kind of stuff, it was very taboo. We would be like, you know, playing, 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 playing. And then all of a sudden someone would be walking by and we go quiet. And then they pass by and then we'd start talking again. And, you know, it's, it's wonderful to see that we're now at a place in our consciousness where we can have these conversations. And Bill and I always knew we were going to be working together. And I kept saying to him over and over, just, just hold on. I need to get a platform for us. I need a platform for us. And now I have one. And I have a feeling that Bill is going to be a very well-known and, you know, frequent 
um, guest speaker with Divergence because again, he speaks our language. He's in tune with what we're in tune with. So you can only imagine the wisdom and wealth of knowledge that we're going to get here tonight. So thank you, Bill, for showing up. And if I may draw your attention, this gentleman has a master's in CS. Does anyone know or heard of anyone that has a master's in CS? I actually had to text him. And I was like, wow, Bill, I thought I knew all of your credentials. I'm like, what is a master's in CS? He, this gentleman has a master's in common sense. <laughs> and it's kind of rare. I found that it's kind of rare. If you find anybody with a master's in common sense, better, better tag along behind. <laughs> Absolutely. So I couldn't help but just giggle at that because, again, this gentleman is 86 years old. There's not too many of us that can stand before him and say, you know what, I'm kind of questioning you a little bit because he's walked this earth for most of us twice as long as we have. And so it is an absolute privilege to have you here, Bill. Thank you so much. Um, we consider it an honor to have you here. And, you know, as we, you start to drop these beautiful pearls of wisdom about the Bible and, you know, uncoding some things that have just been, beneath our understanding at this point just because of vibrationally where we were and as we're starting to collectively come together and join forces we are beginning to enlighten each other so with that i have also attached i'll just share my screen here again I have attached um, his interview as well. So when we do send out the link, if you have not seen his amazing interview that he did, uh, make sure you do that where he will reveal some interesting points about Elohim and exactly what the Bible's talking about when they mentioned the father. So with that, um, some new findings, um, according to Bill, I'd summarize this very quickly as far as what that interview does go through, as far as the concordance, defining the father as a place, that if the father isn't a god and Elohim is not a god, it must be a planet. And the fact that he heard as I come from the father, meaning Elohim is a planet, it must be located in Pallades. And so... I remember Bill telling me this as far as, you know, when he was so excited, our first interview, I'm trying to remember when that was, I think it was in March sometime when this information was first delivered to you. He messaged me, he's like, Jody, I got to talk to you. So I woke up in the morning and I got a zoom together with him and he's like, oh, this information. And he sent me this. And so we, what we want to do loved ones is help you understand where Elohim is. This is the power of spirit. When spirit's able to give you a message as far as this is the name of a planet, which means the father, to have the ability to go on the internet and to be able to find it. So here we are. This is the Milky Way. You're going to notice a circle here. This circle blown up. These are the different solar systems. Okay, so this is our solar system right here. Here is the Pallades star cluster now it's light years away from us but when you look at the big spectrum they're pretty close aren't they we can definitely see why they are trying to transmit to us right now now this is what bill sent me which was fascinating now elohim is a star that was located a number of parsis away from earth 
and the soul system in Federation space near the border between the galaxies Alpha and Beta quadrants. Now, can you find it? So I'm going to actually just pull this up. This is, I, I like to kind of have everything so you guys can see it. So here is the actual solar system. Look for Elohim, loved ones. See if you can find it. So Bill, do you want to talk about the moment when you actually, you know, we're getting this information you went and searched and you found this, please. Well, uh, like I said, uh, nothing that's going to make much sense to anyone. I, I really encourage you to watch that documentary because that's where uh, the bells went off. It was ding, ding when they told me that there was a planet in the solar system that sent messages to planet Earth. Now, like I say, I'm not a... I'm, not, I don't claim to be a remote viewer. I don't think that quick on my feet. But these guys, you know, they use a chart or a, a whiteboard and uh, they get it and write it down on the board. But when they told me uh, there was a planet in the solar system that sent messages to planet Earth, that's when my guys started to talk to me. After you know, the next day, I got to thinking, they they're the ones that directed me to the bible and they they brought my to my attention that it's not that jesus never well he never mentioned anything about god in the bible as far as i know himself now when the um, council of nicaea when they got a hold of everything and put it, uh, their narrative in it they probably said that jesus used the word god on occasion I'm under the impression that Jesus never would use the word God because he, uh, you know, if you if somebody nails you to the cross, I think it's pretty hard to do to turn around and uh, or love this guy with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. I mean, so uh, I think God, uh, I think Jesus kind of doesn't like God and religion, especially what they did for him. He went ahead and said, "Okay, I'll play your silly game." to become righteous you know everybody was unrighteous under adam and jesus said okay jehovah i'll play your silly game nobody's become become righteous until uh, the law is fulfilled the law the 630 laws that jehovah gave to moses which is impossible to obey mainly because there's one in the 630 that says if you break one of them you're guilty of them all so Jesus, being as a God, came along, obeyed of it, and said, okay, Jehovah, I've played your silly game. Since Adam sinned, and everybody became a sinner under Adam, we'll play your silly game. I became righteous, and everybody is going to be righteous under me. So Jesus turned the tide. He brought everybody that was unrighteous, unrighteous. So, by the way, while I'm on the subject, if you're hearing my voice, or if you're not hearing my voice, you are as high, you are as righteous and holy, and without blame as Jesus Christ Himself. Not because of anything you've done or anything that you haven't done, but because of what He did. He did it for us so that we didn't have to. 
So uh, as one man was brought down, one man brought everybody up. So we are righteous because of Jesus. Now, all we have to do, as far as uh, the Bible and religion and all of the, uh, the laws and rules and regulations that the Bible um, dictates, if you've never read the Bible, some people have never read the Bible and they've never gone to church, well, guess what? They're a hell of a lot better off than we are because there's a heck of a lot in there that we have to unlearn. All of the laws, rules, and regulations was brought back by the Council of Nicaea. You don't have to believe. You don't have to go to the church and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. You don't have to believe, repent, be baptized, creep yourself with holy, pay your tithes, and all of that, because Jesus did it for him. The scribes and the Pharisees, Constantine and all those guys, brought it back in, and we've been under the gun for the last 2,000 years, or since 325. So count it a blessing if you're not religious, if you haven't gone to church. Don't, don't be condemning yourself because, well, I haven't gone to church enough. I haven't prayed enough. I haven't tithed enough. I, I, I've had all these bad thoughts. So don't confuse sin with iniquity. Jesus nailed sin to the cross, but he didn't do away with iniquity. Remember, he said, all you workers of iniquity, depart from me. You never know. He's helped these guys, these iniquity guys, to teach us all about it before he comes. But anyway, I'm, I don't want to be rambling and ranting on. Uh, I hope that answered. Did, I, did that answer a question? Fascinating. Absolutely. And I love that, you know, you talk about Jesus and the iniquity side of it. And um, Darren, do you want to add to that? Please? Yeah, well, the iniquity is the counter narrative to equity, right? They're, that's the same root word. We are, when we partake of sin, we are experiencing the iniquity side of things. When we resolve or we clean that sin, now we get to experience the equity side. And that's essentially going to be the, the milk and the honey and all the promises that were bestowed unto us for obedience to the one true master, not the one that we elect every year in the fall to represent our best interests. There's a key fundamental difference here between, you know, the, how the hierarchy <laughs> has been structured. So yeah, the iniquity is a very, very crucial concept, Bill, and I'm, and I'm, I'm glad you're shedding some incredible light on it for us. So yeah, please continue. Perfect. Okay, good stuff. So I want to just share my screen again, because this is where we're going to get into the part where Bill's going to be able to shed a lot of light. As far as the Palladians are concerned, we've had a lot of interest around this. Um, people wondering who they are. Um, again, when I talked about that, we all have Palladian energy and DNA within us. This is about us awakening right now and that dormant DNA becoming um, a lot more aware. And that's why we want to talk about this because again, I have was raised in a very highly uh, religious background, uh, read the Bible three times over, and I never knew the Pleiades was even in the Bible. I found that fascinating. Same here. 
right? So, you know, that's why I wanted to share just a couple scriptures. And if you actually go in and you Google how many times is Pleiades in the, in the Bible, you'll be fascinated. Again, I had to just kind of keep centered here, but here's a few of them. Job 38 and 31. Bill, I believe you probably even know that one by heart, where it says, um, can't thou bind the sweet influence of Pleiades or lose the bands of Orion? In Job 9, verse 9, it says, which maketh Arcturus, Orion, and Pallades in the chambers of the south. There's the Arcturus, the Arcturians. It's just absolutely fascinating to see that these beings who have been in contact with us are actually in the Bible. This is this would have been very taboo for my religion and my religious background that I came from. So Bill, do you want to shed some light on that? Oh, absolutely. Uh, as far as Jesus being out in space and on a planet, that it, it sounds uh, kind of woo-woo. And, uh, but, uh, you know, they asked uh, Jesus one time, Master, how do we pray? He says, our Father, who art in heaven. Oh, heaven? The Father's in heaven. Well, uh, most Christians, uh, fundamentalist Christians, will tell you, Jesus, yeah, heaven. He, that means he's. It's. 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 What is the the Trinity? It, it's the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Well, yeah, sort of. Uh, try to wrap your brain around that one, Father, Son, and Spirit. But he said, uh, fa "Our Father who art in heaven." Now, um, Psalms one nineteen says, "The heavens declare the glory of God." And the firmament showeth his handiwork. The heavens, like uh, the, the heavens, uh, yeah, Jesus and the Father is in the heaven, the heavenlies. It says, uh, let's see, I don't want to, I don't like to quote scripture, scripture verses because it, it kind of, everybody that is spouting Bible verses all the time, it just mostly tries to let you know how religious they are. So uh, I'm forced to quote a Bible verse Every once in a while, sometimes I'll give you the, the, the chapter and verse, like Psalms 119. That's really unimportant. The, the heavens declare the glory, glory of God. All of those planets out there uh, declare, declare the glory of God. And the firmament, the firmament is the planets and the stars. The firmament, firmament shows his handiwork. And in uh, Romans uh, 120, um, listen to this. Now we are see now we are the sons of god and daughters of god it doth not yet appear what we shall be but we know that when he appears we will be like him oops that's another word i'm getting let's see which one did i uh the heavens the heavens i've gotten another verse mixed up there which is a good one to know but anyway um that's one uh they just don't come to mind right now but anyway Jesus is in the heavenlies, and the Father. That's uh, when uh, it struck a bell in me. I didn't realize until you know I watched this Hammurabi code and about this planet that sends messages to planet Earth. Well, the other one that taught me or took me to the Bible there and said, "Look, Jesus never talked about God. He always said the Father." So, uh, yes, you just pray. Oh, by the way, um, we talk about blasphemy. I talked about blasphemy on that podcast. 
uh, I'm going to tell you a blasphemy. We're not supposed to pray. Does that sound like blasphemy? What Jesus told me, he doesn't like prayer. He, he, it's, it's too religious. He doesn't want you to pray him, pray with him, pray for him, pray with him. He wants you to talk to him. I'll give you an example. I don't, I don't pray. I haven't prayed in a long time. I just talked to him. You know, I'm having a good, I'm having a conversation with Jesus like uh, daily, sometimes moment by moment. And for instance, if I'm talking, I'm having a good conversation with my brother. I mean, he's just really laying it on me, telling me some things that I don't know. And all of a sudden I say, oh, wait a minute, Jesus, um, hold that thought. Uh, I'll be back in about 15 minutes. And I got to go pray and I'll be right back. Now, really, have you ever heard of anything as stupid as that? I mean, he doesn't want us to pray to him. He, he said some. He used the word one time. He said, there'll come a day that you won't ask of me. You'll ask directly of the Father. So the planet, uh, we can get our information from Jesus. But he says something. You're going to ask the Father directly. So that's that planet. Now, ask. Now, I'm going to caution you. Don't go trying to crash down any doors. It says knock, and the door will be open to you. Knock, and I will come in. So don't go crash trying to crash down any doors. Just knock, and it'll open for you. Ask, and you will receive. So be easy about, you know, back in the day, uh, I was involved, as you probably heard of Edgar Cayce. Um, I was a disciple of Edgar Cayce back in uh, the 50s and around and uh, boy, I started, I learned about this spirit business. And I started crashing doors down. And boy, I got what I wished for. I got all tangled up in some bad, with some bad dude, dudes. And I almost, I just barely got out without my life. So it's sure we have to hear from the spirit, but don't go seeking spirits. Don't go, just um, be careful. Um, there is no danger if you just ask and wait for it to receive. The teacher, the student never tells the teacher what he needs to learn. And the student never tells the teacher what he needs to learn when he needs to do it. So since Jesus is the master and we're the student, just wait for him to tell you what you need when you need it. Beautiful. And you know, that nicely takes us into the next segment, because a lot of people are curious as far as how the Palladians contacted you initially, Bill. So can you please explain how that first happened for you, what that felt like, and what that looked like, please? Well, I told the whole, the very, uh, the, the things that's important here is synchronicity. I was contacted by synchronicity. It sounds um, it sounds really woo woo, but uh, I was um, I did my own business. I was just all of a sudden I see started seeing uh, numbers, reoccurring numbers. I'd go I'd go up to a red light, the car in front of me would be three three three, and I'd go to 
to another red light and all of a sudden I just come behind this car again. I look at the license plate, I was 333. I was just I'm thinking, what the hell? Boy, talking about coincidence. And uh, I thought, oh, well, that's just fun. So I drove around town for about 10 minutes, I guess, until I got bored with it. I was trying to find the license plate with three numbers on it. Couldn't do it. I finally got bored and forgot about it. And what happened? I pull up with them and I saw another red light. A car in front of me was 333. I couldn't find one of the damn things. But when I forgot about it, it just appeared. Well, anyway, this kept going on for days and weeks. I was bombarded with these numbers. And uh, finally, I said, boy, you know, this has gone so far past chance. It's, there's got to be an intelligence behind this. And uh, I finally just got tired of it. I says, look, if there's an intelligence behind this, who are you? What are you? Where are you? And I remember the spot, it was, uh, well, you wouldn't know where it was, but I remember the very spot I was in my pickup driving down the street. When, when I said, who are you? As plain as day, I heard, oh, we're the Palladians. Now, I didn't hear a, an audible voice. It just came to my mind, we're the Palladians. Now, the, the reason it's hard to hear from the Palladians or any spirit that's talking to you is that they have to use the same pipe. My thoughts came come through the same pipes they use. You have to learn. It's called. You've ever heard of that? Hear that small, still voice? It's it's different. There, when they speak to you, it comes through as your thoughts, but it's just a little different. It takes practice. You have to learn the difference between what your thought is and what their thought is. And it's so subtle. That's the reason it's difficult. It's so it's so easy that it's hard. Even a child can do it. So you don't have to, you know, meditation is good. I uh, What meditation is for is to get rid of all the noise and all the garbage so you can settle down in here. There's so much, you know, things going on around us. So, uh, uh, meditation is important, but uh, I have, when you zone in, I used to, I was a trucker for uh, like 100 years. Uh, it's pretty difficult to drive through Chicago, Chicago at rush hour. I mean, you've got 60 lanes going that way and 60. It's, it's a nightmare to drive a tractor trailer through Chicago, but you know, I drove a tractor trailer. I could drive a tractor trailer through Chicago and still be zoned in. You can be washing the dishes. You can be driving your truck. You can be uh, typing. You can, whatever you're doing, you can still hear. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to sit cross-legged on the side of a mountain or stare at a, ta uh, a candle. You can hear. It's just a matter of, just like hearing your thoughts. Now, don't be trying to hear some kind of a, a big spiritual revelation. That can happen. They can give you a mighty revelation. But the spirit, the Pleiadians or whoever, can tell you something just as simple as, what time is it? Look at your watch. And 
that has happened to me. I mean, if they, they told me something as simple as look at my watch, maybe it's a reoccurring number. But uh, don't wait for some big high revelation. They're going to, baby steps, baby steps. Anyway, am I getting off traffic track? No, that was so when they first contacted you, they said that they were po the Palladians. So did you speak out loud to them? How, how did you communicate with them moving forward? No, there is no outside, no, no audible voice. I just said, you know, uh, how many, how many years have you prayed to Jesus? You know, is, is, is mental telepathy uh, difficult? No. Anybody that's prayed to Jesus, how many times have you heard somebody say, especially a preacher or somebody, you know, the Lord told me this and the Lord told me that I asked the Lord this and he said that that's mental telepathy. We've been doing it for years, calling, in the, calling it prayer. I just don't call it prayer anymore. When you ask a question, just uh, just picture this planet, this planet Elohim. Just in your mind, picture it as a big ball of answers. It's a big ball of answers floating out there. The only thing you got to do to unlock an answer is to ask a question. Now, when you're ready to get the answer, when you, be, when you become to a certain level where you're able to answer the question, the answer is there. Now, for instance, I can't ask a question like, uh, what's E equals MC squared? I'm not there. I don't know anything about that. So I, do, I can't possibly ask a question like that and, decide and, and expect an answer. But in my day-to-day -day life where I am spiritually, if I have a question, just I ask. You just ask it. And boy, are they ever ready to answer because that's what the Father is for. Don't you say, we're going to send you back the spirit of truth that's going to teach you all things. Everything you want to know is going to come from that spirit of truth. Any outside source, you better be weary of it. I mean, we know all of the stuff that's coming in from the outside. That spirit is inside. It says that we're supposed to... Uh, Worship in a place made without in a temple. We're supposed to worship in a temple made without hands. Here's a good exercise for you to get that through your head. Take your two fingers like this and put on each side of your face, not even with your eyes. That is your temple. Did you ever hear it called a temple? Not by accident. This is your temple. This is where you get your information. This is where you're supposed to worship, but not worship unless you want to worship yourself. So this is the temple of the living God, as he's talking about in a place made without hands. So any outside source, any outside force, I'd, I'd be careful. Your information is going to come from inside. Now, people can help each other. We can help each other. Uh, get the right information. We can all work together, but it's uh, you ever hear you got to watch that lonesome road. Walk that lonesome road. You got to work it by yourself, but you we can walk it alone, but we can walk it together because we're all in this together. And I thought that was interesting too, Bill, how you talked about if we have been disillusioned that you know that the father is a planet 
imagine the impact that we can have as a collective when we are all sending our intentions, our messages, our prayers to a specific point. When we're setting intentions that this goes to the Father, that this goes to Elohim for us to get answers, it's not just going, okay, universe, and it having to go out to everything. Yeah, to, to deliver a message, you kind of need to know where you're sending it. Otherwise, it gets lost in the mail. Which means there's a quicker response on the way back. We get a response quicker when we know where we're sending the message. I think that's huge. And uh, Bill, do you, you know, you talked about this on your, your interview as well. And, you know, without saying certain words, there's, you know, people putting things into their bodies right now that are specifically, it is specifically designed loved ones to alter your antenna. There have been loved ones that have been, that have reported that after they had this put into their body, they felt like they had no sense of God anymore. They mm -hmm. couldn't connect anymore. And you talked about that signal. Can you um, and, uh, talk a little bit and shed a little bit more light on that, please? Well, as I brought out, about if that there is a planet that sends messages, I, I, I uh, gave an example of that planet being a transmitter. You know, a transmitter needs a receiver. So if that planet is a transmitter and we are the receiver, that receiver, they, they invented us with a built-in receiver. It's called a DNA. Now that uh, the big V that they give us, the main purpose I get is that they're trying to change our DNA, that antenna that we receive, that we receive our messages from. Now that V, if it changes our DNA, that means they're screwing up our antenna. I mentioned that scientists recently, I just learned within the last few months that our antenna is wired, or our, our DNA is wired just like an antenna. Well, I'm thinking that's that antenna that we pick up the messages from the Father. Now, the reptilians, those bastards have been, had their foot on our neck for 6,000 years. They know that. They don't want us to hear because if we get the right message, they're toast. So this is the final battle. You know, the reason uh, I've gone 80 years without finding out this information I couldn't have found it. It was impossible for me to find it out or for anybody else for that matter. There's seven seals on that Bible, the seven seals of understanding. Now, I don't know how, when each seal has been broken, but the seventh seal has been broken. That means the seventh seal of understanding has been broken. So we're going to have to start getting information that we've never hit, been before, hit, heard before because it's been hidden from the ages. Each generation or each uh, dispensation or each century, whatever, I don't know how often the, the, the bands of the, the, the uh, bands of information that's supposed to be broken, but I'm thinking that boy, they have been uh, maybe it had something to do with the end of the Mayan calendar. Uh, you know, it's, everybody was telling all oh, the end of the Mayan calendar, uh, this, the, it's the. It's, the world is going to end. Well, they were right. The world did end. That old world 
the world that we were in was done away with um, brought us into a new age, a new world. Like back when I was a kid, I mean, I'm so ancient that uh, I was back in the, in, the, in the horse and buggy days. I live in a town in Texas that we hooked up the back of the buffboard and uh, we bounced the town with, uh, with a horse. That was a different world. I was in a different world. You people, the, the, the um, kids being born today, they can't relate to that. That was a different world. Well, we're in a different world. The new, the new world, the new world, uh, the uh, Pisces, the age of Aquarius. We've come into the age of Aquarius. Now, I'm not a, an astronomer or an astrologer. But that's another thing that's very important. Uh, we've been, I was taught all my life that, oh, uh, you better stay away from that uh, astrologer. That's of the Satan, that's Satan, which is a crock of camel dung. There's a lot to, uh, all of that. But uh, did I answer your question? I'm getting off track of things. I love listening to your answers. They just unfold into the next one. It's just absolutely beautiful. Thank you, Bill. And, you know, when we talk about these, this DNA coming online, um, part of, you know, the link that we have here are certain Palladian star seed traits to look for, to see if it's igniting or turning on within you. So here's some of the traits and listen to this loved ones and see if you're any of these. You feel like the black sheep in your family. There's a common one. You're drawn to the paranormal and the metaphysics. You're highly sensitive, you're intuitive, and you're empathic. You feel like you have a mission on earth to help humanity wake up and contribute to the collective consciousness and ascension of mankind. You challenge social norms. You may have food sensitivities. You have a natural ability to heal. You can be very emotional, often resenting how easily um, you tear up, but at the same time, um, people enjoy your presence. And the, the main reason for that is because you give your energy to others easily, which means people can feed off of you. Uh, you may be born into families that are suffering intergenerational trauma, abuse, and addiction. And your job is to help clear the karmic cycle of the family. So if any of those resonate with you, just feel them. And again, there's a reason why you're drawn to this whole subject. When you heard the Palladian, notice what happens to your body. And, you know, when we were actually doing some research for this, I found it fascinating that, you know, Kim messaged me right away. She's like, you're not going to believe this. She's like, guess how far Pallades is from the earth. So all of our loved ones put in some numbers. How many light years? Let's just, if you want to talk synchronicity, let's put in some numbers into the chat as far as how far you feel in light years the plate is from earth please we've got a 144 we got a 333 we got a 111 keep going get, we've got more get, people on here getting close yeah that's right bill knows we got a 222 oh come on guys you're getting all around it the ladies are 222 light years man we got a chance of getting there <laughs> Go a little higher. <laughs> okay, you guys ready for this? The Pallades. 
is 444 light years from Earth. Isn't that fascinating? And, you know, Bill talks to us about the Pleiades being the seven sisters and the sweet Pleiades. So, you know, even the vibration of that is just fascinating. And in this, we've also included the Starseeds Compass, um, which is their rendition of the oh, can, I inter- can I interrupt you a moment? Um, Absolutely. While we're on, while we're on the Pleiades, uh, if you've never heard of the Pleiades uh, before, you know, there's a lot of indigenous people that claim to have come from the Pleiades. I, uh, if you want to check the Cherokee myth, they claim that, that they came from the Pleiades. Now, when I took, when I became a shaman and took the, uh, the four directions of the med, four directions of the Inca medicine wheel, I found out that um, the Incas on top of Mount Machu Picchu. They have a celebration once a year that celebrates the return of the Palladians, if you can imagine. And uh, the Japanese, uh, they claim to have come from the Palladians. The next time you're driving around in your car and you come back, come up behind a Subaru car, you know that little emblem on the on the car with the seven stars on it? That is the Palladians. The manufacturer of uh, the Pleiades car, uh, they claim to have come from the Pleiades. So it's all around us. It's been hidden in plain sight. But there are certain people that don't want us to know about the Pleiades. They don't want us to know about aliens. You know, the government, it's the, they will refuse disclosure. Everybody's talking about UFOs, but the government will say they will not admit that there's spaceships. You know why? Those rotten uh, reptilians, they're freaking aliens. They don't want us to know that the other aliens are our good guys. They don't want us to know about aliens because Jesus, if you watch that Hammurabi code, I was blown away. It's They talk about aliens and, and, and crafts up above all through that freaking uh, documentary. Hammurabi back in the, the early Babylonian king, they were talking, they, they saw spaceships. Guess what? I just found out something they told me just yesterday. They say, you remember when Jesus, uh, when he, after the cross, he came in and he walked with them for what, 30 or 40 days. Well, when he ascended from Mount Sinai, uh, Mount, no, oh, the, oh, the, Mount of Olives, Mount of Olives. This is the scene when Jesus ascended. He was on the Mount of Olives. Well, everybody was looking up when Jesus ascended, and uh, there was a couple of dudes there. It must have been one of the other guys from Elohim. They said, uh, what are you looking up there for? Don't you know he's going to return the way he came before? Well, and it, and it says in the Bible, they, there was a cloud there. Those freaking reptilians, they didn't want us to put are the Constantine and his cohorts, low life balls. They didn't want to put spaceships in there. They just put a cloud. But I'll just bet you, when Jesus ascended from the Mount of Olives, I, I think what they were looking at is a, is a spaceship going up there. Huh. And uh, got off track again, but 
No, no, I don't think he did there. <laughs> you know, I mean, fascinating. I mean, the, the clouds, I mean, multi-layer, you know, I do believe, yes, they very well could be aliens at the same time. You know, the cloud can also represent. Well, as Kim just posted there, yeah, when we when we choose incorrectly to serve a second master when we should never have done it, the result is a cloud on our good name. So yeah. the cloud, the clouds seem to have a repetitive nature here that, you know, we got to, we got to do something with a, it's good that we're, we're, we're getting geoengineering under control so that we can remove some of these clouds. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's just fascinating, Bill. Thank you so much. And you know, when you're saying that new information is coming in and they're calling it clouds, imagine that one word being changed in the Bible from cloud, from, from alien spaceships to clouds, very different. Oh. Very oh, oh, play on the words. It's been, uh, it's they've twisted everything around. Uh, they, it's just kept us from from understanding. Um, play on the words. I I did a word study once. Uh, you know, it says that when Jesus set you free, you are free indeed. Well, I did a word study on that word indeed. What do you? What is one of those books where you? replace words from like Sarayas or something like that. Anyway, I wound up with 24 words you can replace with the word indeed. If Jesus sets you free, you are free indeed. In other words, absolutely, for a surety, without question. We are so free that we don't even have to question it. And they've blocked all of our understanding, thinking that we've got to jump through all of these hoops. You've got to all of these, you know, back in the Hammurabi, when in the Hammurabi days, they had uh, the the reason they came up with these rules and regulations is because people started, you know, building uh, cities. They started living together. Well, when a bunch of people lives together, you got to have some rules, or it's just chaos. Well, I'm sure Hammurabi, the, uh, the he said, look, the court systems are just overcrowded with you guys sleeping with another guy's wife. We're going to have to put a stop to this. Anybody, any man found sleeping with another guy's wife, we're just going to tie you together and throw you in the lake. I'm sure that stopped a lot of it. But all of the the Ten Commandments and all the commandments that that, uh, Jehovah gave to Moses, they they were taken from the Samaritan text. They were taken from those laws of Hammurabi. They were always just meant to be, uh, they, they had no moral uh, obligation. It was just a set of rules for people to live together without killing each other. They, 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 you didn't have to go to hell. Now, if you did, you know, they, sleep with another guy's wife, you got tied together and thrown in the river. But that was, you didn't go to hell. You didn't spit the rest of eternity roasting in a lake of fire seven times hotter than a campfire but this freaking jehovah came along and said hey we can cash in on this let's tell them that uh, the god that uh, is religion you gotta obey all of these rules make them into some things that uh, was call them sin and if you break one of them you're gonna go to hell 
And they said, well, Hammurabi was kind of conservative. He'd come up with like 260 something, something rules and rules. Old Jehovah said, uh, 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 that's not enough. When he called Moses up on the Mount, Mount, of, Mount Sinai, he said, look, I'm giving you 10 commandments, but there's 630 other laws that you've got to. And uh, let's get these guys under the gun where they can never, ever hope. They made it impossible for a human to obey all of these laws, 630 of them. Do you want to Google them? You can Google them on, you know, find out. If you read all of the laws that Moses got handed, it's going to, you might as well get a, a cup of tea or a cup of coffee because you're going to be there for a while reading all of these laws which is uh, it's laughable that's why Jesus went to the cross to do away with all of these freaking things so we wouldn't be obligated if you have you know if you're set free if you have one obligation if there's one obligation you have you're not free Paul went into the talking about law. A lot of people don't know this, you know, how Paul's name is demonized. Well, I, this is kind of off track, but it's important. Paul, Saul, not Paul, he was Saul at the time. Now, why didn't uh, why didn't Jesus take one of the apostles, maybe Barnabas or one of the apostles, and take him into the desert? No, he knocked Paul off his or Saul off his camel and said, look, the reason Jesus picked Saul is that who knew the law better than anybody else in the land? Paul admits, he said, I was a chief of sinners. I was a law of the lawyers. I was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. I was, uh, Saul knew the law better than anybody else in town. That's why Jesus, he was going and killing Christians. I mean, with gusto. So Jesus knocked Paul off his camel and said, look, you're killing my people. So he, can you imagine Paul or Saul killing all of these guys? And he was blinded. He had to be led into these guys that he'd been killing. Can you imagine the fear that he uh, experienced? But he knew that they were going to pull him limb for limb. But no, Ananias prayed for him and the scales fell up his eyes. Well, it says that he went immediately into the backside of the desert, into the Arabian desert. You know where Moses got the law? In the Arabian desert. Where did Jesus bring Paul, the champion of all law? He took him into the backside of the desert, the same place Moses was. Guess what? Jesus gave Saul the new covenant. Which means Paul is the new Moses. He got the new covenant. Jesus, when I become your high priest, I'm going to make a whole new covenant with you. I'm going to, uh, it's going to be a whole new covenant. Not like the covenant I made with Egypt. Or not like the covenant I made with Israel when I brought him out of Egypt. You know, Moses part the Red Sea and everything. He says, the covenant I make you is not going to be like that. It's going to be completely different. So Jesus took Saul into the desert. You know, it took him two years to get the law out of Moses or uh, out of jo uh, Paul. Two years he spent in the desert. Te Jesus was teaching him, look, 
It's not law. No, I did. I, I nailed the law and sin to the cross. Get it through your thick head. So what is the first thing Paul, now Saul, now Paul, the play on word, Paul means humble. Paul came out of the desert humble. And what's the first thing Paul started barking when he came out of the desert? You are no longer under the law of sin and death. Well, what is the law of sin and death? Well, simply put, the law of sin and death is if you sin, you die. We're no longer under that. That was nailed to the cross. Those scummy, um, the Council of Nicaea, they put it back in the Bible. That's why they invented the freaking, well, there's truth in there. But that's why Paul came out preaching grace and peace. Grace and peace. All of the books you see Paul write, he starts them with, peace be with you, grace be with you. At the end of the chapter, he closes them with, peace be with you, grace be with you. He also said, if you mix, if you mix law and grace, grace is no more grace. Law is no more law. You've got hash. That's why there's 45,000 different denominations of the Christian faith. 45 different denominations. And you know what they all have in common? They're all different. Now, there's only one denomination to go to that's the right one. And that's the one you, intend, you attend. Well said. Um, okay, wow. Uh, you haven't told me the Saul Paul story yet there, my friend. So <laughs> why, why was his name changed then? We all have to change our names. <clears throat> well, Saul, uh, Saul, apparently I didn't look, I, I looked up to what Paul means. Paul means humble. Uh, I think Saul must have been something, something kind of arrogant and full of law and lawyer. You know, it must have been. It was, he was a bit of his report. Oh. It must have been. It must have been opposite of humble. Anyway, these name changes. You know, Sarah was named Sarai, or and uh, there was. There's a big play on names and name changes in the in the Bible, and then it's interesting. Something to pay attention to. And it was interesting that usually the name changes happened after something profound or a shift happened. So have you ever heard? Have you ever heard anybody say that Paul is the new Moses? I just got that information. I know, you know, I've never heard that all my life. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't realize Paul was given the new covenant. Of course, uh, there are certain people that doesn't want us to know that. Mm, absolutely. So yeah, yeah, there's a, a connection here with, with the old ways, the old garment, the old cloak, the dirtiness of sin is always attached to a name. Our name that, we, that was attached to us born into sin. So there's a, a key correlation here between resurrection and taking on a new good name. Our, you know, we can only get to the Father through a guy with a clean name. You notice that he didn't have the surname attached to it. There's interesting things going on here. Again, I think it's in, um, oh, I'll have to check the verse. But again, with the birth of Jesus Christ was made on the wise. What is when you have a birth event and you have something wise happening? That's the lack of registration. 
right? There's, there's again, there's a key correlation between being not made a public spectacle, which is why Joseph took Mary away privately. There's things attached to the name that need to be addressed. And that's part of our, our direction currently nowadays in these days is to clean up the mess, the sin that's attached to a bad name, a dirty name that we have overlooked our whole lives. We didn't understand the significance of it, but we're starting to now. And no different than Saul, who went into the desert and after two years, after being reformed and cleaned, you know, changed his name. And, and this is where, you know, when you are just coming into this awareness of what we're talking about, if you are new to the show, you have a better chance because you're not so programmed with years and years and years of inundated oppression. Again, if it took a gentleman as wise as Saul two years to undo the programming, again, this is where when you're highly, highly educated in today's system, it takes longer to dispose of that and get yourself clean than someone who has no idea or that's, that isn't very educated. They have a lot less garbage to take out is what we're trying to say. So yeah, again, this is to be just to encourage those newcomers to this, that, Hey, just because you're new, you're actually in a better, safer place than you think. Excellent. Fascinating. Thank you, Bill. Oh my goodness. You can just see how my just spiritual crush I have on this man because I <laughs> listened to him just like this one. And I just, Ah, I could listen to them forever. <laughs> oh, fascinating. Thank you so much. Now, I do want to go into a little bit more about the Hammurabi Code because, you know, you did introduce this to myself, Bill. Um, and I want to share this with our loved ones as well so you can understand the importance of this. The Hammurabi Code was actually carved into two or into a massive finger-shaped black stone pillar. And uh, it was actually rediscovered in 1901 and this code is a babylonian legal text that was composed from 19 or 1755 to 1750 bc it's the longest best organized and best preserved legal text from the ancient near east there is over 282 case laws, including economic provisions for prices, tariff, trade and commercial regulations, family law, marriage for, and divorce, as well as provisions dealing with criminal law, such as assault and theft, civil law, such as slavery and debt. And the Hammurabi Code is the most complete record of ancient law in the existence and was established to set standards relating to commercial interactions and set fine and punishments to meet the requirements of justice. This includes uh, the law of retribution, sometimes best known as, the, as an eye for an eye. Now, the Code of Pomerati includes many harsh punishments, sometimes demanding the removal of the guilty party's tongue, hand, breast, eye, or ear. But the Code also is one of the earliest examples of an accused person being considered innocent until proven guilty. So here's some, ex some examples, loved ones, of its justice or equity. Rule number 48, if anyone owe a debt for a loan and a storm prostrates, prostrates, prostrates. prostrates. Or you might as well say castrates there, <laughs> if, the, if the storm removes the grain. Okay. 
if the storm removes the grain or the harvest fail or the grain does not grow for lack of water in that year he need not give his creditor any grain he washes his debt tablet in water and pays no rent for this year so a farmer does not have the ability to be able to provide for himself his crop is wiped out he does not owe anyone anything very just if a man strike a freeborn woman so that she loses her unborn child, he shall pay 10 shekel for her loss. So here is a picture of the Hammurabi code. If you can see that loved ones. Okay. So here's the finger like um, monument. You can see all the, the engravings and the carvings on there. Here's another law 196. If a man damages the eye of another man, then the culprit shall have his eye destroyed. And if a man breaks another man's bone, the bone of the culprit shall be broken. Now, we, we at Divergence, we really do appreciate the balance that the Hammurabi Code does bring in a lot of respects. As far as evening karma, that's what I believe the, the Hammurabi did a lot of is the evening of karma. So you didn't have to pay for it in another lifetime or didn't have to circle back around. Now, Bill, is there anything else you'd like to bring to our loved one's attention as far as the Hammurabi code and some messages that you got, please? Well, while you're on the laws, uh, to compare it to religion, all of those laws, like I say, all of the all the laws in the Bible came directly from the Samaritan tablets and the Hammurabi Code. I'd like to draw your attention to uh, not one of those laws, if you broke them, that you would go to hell. There was no lake of fire. There was no hell. It wasn't a sin. It was just simply, simply common sense. You know, I guess back then they, they must have been a kind of a, a primitive rough bunch, and so uh, it, it was probably a bunch of tough guys, and so they had to have some pretty strict rules. I mean, you poke somebody guys, somebody's eye out, you get yours poked out. You break somebody's arm, you get your arm broken. It's just common sense. It sounds pretty barbaric, but uh, hey, you, let's have some little peace and tranquility around here. Not everybody uh, damaged them. It was just a matter of, you know, uh, if guilty and proven or innocent until brute, I don't know what, you know, like you said, but uh, these laws had nothing to, whatsoever to do with sin or going to hell. It was just simply like, uh, like you say, it was a commerce and uh, common sense to, to live together. You know, if you take a, a high rise apartment and there's, uh, there's 12 units in the uh, apartment building, you got to have people behaving themselves and you know everybody's happy but if you got all kinds of hanky panky going on you're gonna have problems that's what those laws were for it never was something to make you go to hell if you broke them yeah they're you know they're they're there to really to help guide us essentially is what's going on i mean when you are feeling a moment of weakness and you really feel like stealing a loaf a loaf of bread maybe because you're not hungry but maybe it's just because you want a loaf of bread well spite. for you know again for these reasons where again now we would look at that as, as bad judgment if you don't need the loaf of bread why are you taking it is it just greed is it lust is it gluttony it's going to be one of these profound 
emotions that are governing your spirit at the moment. So this is where the laws are trying to tell us by, you know, in the background, they're whispering in our ear, hey, don't steal the bread because you might lose your eye. You know, they're, they're, they're going to be here to, to, to guide us in, in a manner where in our moment of weakness, you might need it. Because if you weren't weak, you're not going to be stealing a loaf of bread. You're going to go make your own loaf of bread. So again, Whereas if you steal a loaf of bread because your family is starving, it would be judged differently. Yeah. So again, the, the, the fairness and the equity, it's all, it's all hiding in, in these, in these laws, in these programs, it's just a matter of distinguishing it and actually applying the knowledge so that we can actually live better lives every day. Cause for some reason we, 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 we've lost the ability to do this, right? Why, why do you know, it's kind of interesting how humankind is so susceptible to influence yet we can't be influenced for greatness and maintain it, we always seem to fall and, 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 and fall victim to whispers from in, within the garden hedges, you know, or, or, or things of this nature. So yes, we're also, we're always so susceptible to, to um, deception and deceit. So these laws are here to just really help guide us. It wasn't all, um, it wasn't really all about blood and guts back then. It sounded pretty barbaric, but they also made a provision if you offended someone, I, uh, if they forgave you, you know, you could settle things uh, without poking an eye, like in your eye. Well, I, I don't know about an eye, but there was a provision there that if you offended someone, you, there was room for forgiveness and you could go on and maybe have a second chance. So I know uh, while we're talking about the Hammurabi code bill real quick, I know you were mentioning um, with the remote viewing there that there's, this plays off of, the, the gentlemen in the past that have really done some unscrupulous work to King James Bible and others, the Hammurabi code you were mentioning is subject to only half of the story or half of the truth, or let's call it the powers that were, were still using that code, that Hammurabi code. And they were only providing us with some or, or maybe a version that they really wanted us to have and that there's still components or pieces that are maybe left open to interpretation or left open to perhaps a, a different perspective or a new, some new light being shed on that situation. But to specifically ask the question, we're, there are still elements or key parts that are missing. And, and, and I greatly believe that, you know, through these challenges and through these teachings and, 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 and speaking with spirit, we are being downloaded with the other half or the part that was confusing to us in those days. This enlightenment, this, this ascension process, we're being downloaded with the upgraded version of the Hammurabi code as we live our lives daily. This is where we start to take on more of an equitable based lifestyle loving our neighbors rather than try to, again, as I always say, take their lawnmower. Let's, let's show up at your neighbors with our lawnmower and help him cut his grass versus, you know, this, this traditional commercial world where we're always trained or we're taught to be competitive with our neighbor, grow your crops, but don't share with your neighbor. So again, we seem to have lost this ability, this innate ability to love each other. And again, I think we can blame and attribute a lot of it to this commercial system. But yeah, I think, you know, we are definitely getting the other half of the code, the, the upgraded version, the, the living version without so much commerce attached to it. And I think this is as we move forward, this is going to be very, very directional for us and in, in, in achieving this, this peaceful state of mind. We don't quite need the commercial system as it was if we start conducting ourselves and governing ourselves in a more loving manner. We're going to open up some space here for something new. 
Well, you have to keep in mind too, uh, that was 6,000 years ago. Uh, we're a heck of a lot different, uh, a different society than today than they were then. But uh, they had commerce back then and they, we have commerce back or, or now. So you know what happened to the Admiralty law, you know, everybody was shipping uh, their goods around back uh, in, the, in, the, in the, when they were in the ship, when they were shipping. And uh, so they've just twisted that around and uh, started using it against us instead of force. You know, it's okay to ship something with a ship, but you don't have to uh, liken it to uh, people. People bring people under the yoke of calling us uh, chattels, calling us commercial goods to be shipped around. Uh, they just took a good thing and uh, polluted it. Absolutely. And thank you for that so much, um, you know, shedding light on, you know, sides that are a little gray, you might say. And, you know, for that very purpose, what I've done here within this link is I've attached, um, sorry, the Hammurabi codes of law. So you can actually go and break down. So I'll just kind of take you through this so you can actually see. So these are, this is the whole Hammurabi code. So all of the codes all here, you can go through and you can read all 282 if you wish. Um, and then what you can actually do is go to see the transliteration. So this is actually what it looks like. So this is actually what the translation looks like and then you can actually go and it'll do the translation so that you know exactly what the law is so some great references there for some aftercare learning now let's go into this next portion that i'm excited about which is the remote viewing now remote viewing is um and, and the reason i was actually talking to darren about this because when we go into a meditative state and we want to go and see something or we want to go somewhere, that is a form of remote viewing. But this form of remote viewing is a little bit more technical. Now, let's explain, first of all, the kind of remote viewing that we are talking about. Now, this is a practice of seeking impressions about a distant or unseen target using subjective means, in particular, extrasensory perception or sensing with the mind. Now, typically, a remote viewer is expected to give information about an object, event, person, or location that is hidden from physical view and separated by distance and or time. Now, you know, Bill, you gave an example of this and, you know, um, the Farsight Institute, which I've attached here, I'm so excited to share this with you because Bill shared this with me many years ago. Just look at the pictures. <laughs> that doesn't take you down some, you know, some rabbit holes. I don't know what will. But yeah, like these, I mean, this guy is very like into what he does. But what he does is he gives his students who are very gifted remote viewers numbers. They're usually a number. And they just look at that number and they focus on that, which is a channel. That's all you need to know, loved ones. It's no different than I want to go and I get, want to get some information around this. That's a channel. A number is a channel as well. And so when these remote viewers get this number, all they do is they tune into this and then they start getting information. 
And we're going to start expanding this a little bit for you as well. So you can learn how to do this. But um, I wanted to talk about the term, uh, the term uh, remote viewing was actually coined in 1970. And the reason for this is they were trying to distinguish the difference between a remote viewer and someone who's clairvoyant. And, you know, same chat, same shit, different pile. Let's be honest. That's exactly what this is. And I can see, you know, when I was doing my research, if you go on YouTube, they have like this robot, this new thing, like whenever you want to know about a word and she comes on and she just was like, you know, shedding light on the fact that it was quite fascinating but then this robot's like but it's not you know you can't lean on this it has its holes it she just started shredding it apart and saying how the government abandoned it and all this kind of stuff no they didn't government never abandoned it are you kidding me they just wanted us to have absolutely no idea just how accurate it is and they didn't want us exploring this about ourselves so it's quite phenomenal to kind of see what this entails and as the result i'm just going to go on to i'm going to make sure my kim what was it again that shares the sound the share um just click on your share screen again at the bottom and yeah. share sound so you might need to stop your share screen and when you go to share it share sound okay so one moment please loved ones i want you guys to be able to hear this oh that's why there we go Share sound. By the way, I'm on. Uh, I'm just using my phone. I don't have a full monitor here. How many? How many people we got here? We have ten right now. Ten, really? You okay. betcha. Okay, loved ones. Here we go. This is about a five-minute video, but it's this gentleman is a remote viewer, and you're going to have a really good idea. Oh, now we're at eleven. <laughs> And you're going to have a good idea as far as how it works. Here we go. Remote viewing is a perceptual technique whereby a person can describe places, events, or people that are perceived mentally, but separated from the viewer by distance, shielding, and even time. Mm -hmm. It's, if you like, it's a, a trained intuitive ability, intuitive ability. How is remote viewing used, um, used today? Uh, I've been tasked to uh, help locate murderers and to unravel clues that may help towards finding who the murderer may be in a particular case uh, within businesses, helping with negotiations, investigations, uh, lost property, uh, insurance scams, uh, missing persons. Yeah. There's, a, there's quite a long list, but I've been involved with all of those. And does your work involve um, sitting in a dark room, say in a police station or something, and um, sort of conjuring up the image of, of the crime scene? No, I sit at home with a cup of coffee at a table, usually cleared of objects that you know, might get in the way. Yeah. And I just um, focus in on what's called a coordinate, something which is going to help me to find what's called the signal line. Yeah. And then from then, uh, small images appear, a bit like uh, bits of a jigsaw. Mm -hmm. And eventually, we draw up information from that. Some of it's sensory, some of it um, uh, is uh, visual, mm -hmm. some of it is impressions, uh, emotional impressions. and basically feelings that are around the actual site itself mm -hmm. and eventually we can come up with enough information that will help to solve the problem or tell us what's actually at that particular site. Okay. Can you give me an example of um, a murder case or, or an insurance case where you've 
sort of conjured something up which um, has helped, has been helpful. Yeah, there was a case in America where a man oh. was found overboard from his boat in suspicious circumstances. I can't really say a great deal about it. Uh, however, there appeared to be no motive for the murder. Mm -hmm. And I was tasked from America through a, con a contractor out there uh, who's also a remote viewer. And uh, I was able to ascertain from the pieces that I could do through remote, through remote viewing that there was a possibility that actually it was an internal affair. Somebody in the family was actually involved in some way or could be involved in some way. Mm -hmm. uh, this information was sent back and I gave my reasons for this. And I was eventually told that uh, nothing more about what had actually happened with the case apart from someone within the family had, had actually been arrested for the murder. How did the American military uh, use remote viewing? In the military it was used for about 18 years uh, within the, the actual Cold War between Russia and, and the West if you like, East and the West, and um, mainly to sort of locate intelligence things like silos uh, for missiles, mm -hmm. uh, secret sites and things like this, mm -hmm. but stuff where um, no other means could actually be used to get into the site to find out what's there. It was only uh, with the event of the, the Cold War that we discovered that Russia actually was operating some people who were able to locate information, in, particularly in the United States. And um, when America found out about it, they thought this actually was quite a good idea. This is a very short view, a uh, very short part of the story, but it sort of brings the, the basic facts together. And from that, um, the CIA became involved and funded um, a military unit and also some experiments carried out in America by a chap called Hal Puthoff. And he worked in, in conjunction with a chap called Ingo Swan, who was a very gifted remote viewer who set up the uh, means to train remote viewers at a place called Fort Meade. Uh, during a period of 18 to 20 years, there were about 23 remote viewers. And uh, it was eventually uh, disbanded by, uh, well, by, basically by the government. Uh, when the CIA started to reveal uh, information about remote viewing and what they've been up to uh, in conjunction with Bill Clinton's um, new disclosure uh, act through Congress that disclosure of information had to be uh, information had to be more freely available to the, the public. Do you have any idea of how many remote viewers there are in the world today? I've no idea in the United States. I have a rough guess that there may be about 30 trained remote viewers in this country, but I could be, I could be at least 10 to 20 out. I, I have 30 that I know of. But it's a lot more popular in America than it is here. Uh, it's a lot more popular in America, I think possibly because more people make use of remote viewers in America than they do in this country. That's why most of the work that I do comes from the United States. So remote, uh, being a remote viewer is sort of a form of being a psychic. Um, and you don't have to be necessarily a gifted person to be able to do it, do you? I don't think that you have to be necessarily gifted or psychic in the way that it's normally used, but uh, I think that it is a trained intuitive ability. Each of us has the ability to uh, remote view. I mean, for example, mothers know when their children are in trouble often, and sometimes, I gave an example earlier, that the phone rings and for some reason you know exactly who it is on the other end. How we explain that we don't know, but um, remote viewing as we know it today is, is a trained ability to be able to tap into this sort of information when we want it. Is there a, a dark side to remote viewing that would ever deter you from doing the job? Um, 
there are upsetting uh, places to be. Sometimes you don't know until you get there. Usually I have an idea that uh, if um, a, a coordinate comes in for me to do a particular task and I start to get into it, if I don't like it, I'll come out and just send the information that I've actually got. Um, I have no intention of making myself feel bad. You know, life's great and I enjoy it very much, so um, I just try and keep it as, as happy as possible. So basically, if I don't like the look of something, I'll come out of it. But there are um, possible places to be where you actually don't want to be. And as you know from your own experience, you do get feelings about places, um, as you did with your own tasking. You get a feeling about a place. And if you're right immersed in that and fairly well practiced, you know, that's not a place you want to be. You get out as fast as possible. Remote viewing. You're muted. So I just wanted to share that with you to give you an idea of what a remote viewer's opinion looks like. And again, he said, you know, he doesn't feel that anyone that um, does psych remote viewing doesn't need a psychic ability. <laughs> I beg to differ with that because of the same sentence he said, you know, but you use your psychic abilities. So, you know, you need some intuition to be able to do this. You need some motivation you need to tap into the energy and the channel of it and if you're wanting to know how to do some remote remote viewing i've actually included this page on here where you can actually go through and how to remote view um, some simple practices set the target receive the target uh, don't second guess it's a wonderful walkthrough so that you can go through that and a lot of that is again this is reformatting your operating system you know we we, we have been living a life that has been here to desensitize us to these types of intuitive skills, to beat it out of us, if you will, through public programs and initiatives like school. So if we have a clear mind and a, and, and a heart that is not full of spider webs, deceit, darkness, evil, you're gonna be in a position where you're open to messages. Now, depending on what level you wanna take these messages to, your focus, on a message coming in is going to determine how well you receive the message. If you don't care about the message, if you don't, you know, if you don't want to hear it, if you're throwing up psychic blocks, you're only impeding your own development. So this is going to be critical. So when we live a life full of, oh, I have to work nine to five, I have to pay all my bills, I have to make my car payment, I got to pick the kids up at three, then I got to go grocery shopping, and then do, do, do. where do you find time to build in the intuitive development? You actually have to take the time, set, a, set some aside. You know, we all go to the gym. We all uh, go for our walks. We all like to read, whatever it is. But allow yourself a little bit of space to start developing these things, baby steps. But go for it. If you don't go for it, you're cutting yourself off. And you may be missing a lot that life has to offer. And that actually takes us very nicely into the next portion of this. For those of you who do want to learn how to connect with extraterrestrials, which is also known as spirit, I don't care what you call it, it whoever you want to tap into, if they're on the other side or if they're not of this dimension, you know, how you connect the, the, the process is going to be the same. Can okay? I tell you? Uh, yes, please. Can I tell you my first attempt at remote viewing? I would love to. It was fun. I heard about, you know, the military um, using it to find out what's going on behind the enemy lines. <clears throat> so there's an exercise, uh, I think when maybe it was Ed Reardon or one of them, they have a, a course that you can take. 
I was going to take the course a long time ago, but it was like 350 bucks. And I thought, well, maybe someday. But they had a they had a free exercise on there that you could do to see if you could remote view or not. So you it, you uh, you had a black screen there with some numbers over it. That was the target, and you're supposed to look at those numbers and letters and see if you could find out what was in that black screen, what was the target was. So I I got my best pose and I looked at this black screen and I'm I'm saying okay I gotta. I want to see if I can figure out what's, what that target is. So I started concentrating on it. I looked and looked, and uh, all of a sudden I saw this red dot. You know, right in the middle of the screen, there was this red dot. And uh, I said, okay, well, there's a red dot in the middle of that screen. And I tried to try it, and I'm concentrating, and I'm trying to zoom in. And I thought I got water. I thought I got water, but I wasn't sure. But anyway, this went on for about five minutes and my mind was going in about a dozen different directions. I couldn't just, I couldn't collect it down and I got bored and I says, oh, listen, I'm just going to find out what's next. So I clicked on the on the target <clears throat> and what it was, it was a sailboat in the middle of a harbor and that's, it had a red sail on it. Now I saw that. I didn't realize it after. So just in my five-minute attempt at, at, uh, at that remote viewing, I, if I had a, kept going another five minutes, I could have probably figured, well, no, that's a sailboat in the middle of a harbor. But so that's, uh, you know, the, the exercise is there if you, you know, if you want to find it and try it. And this is where the, sorry, this is where the patience comes in. Again, don't, don't sit there with a, with, with, you know, with your timer and say, okay, I'm going to give you 30 seconds to give it to me. No, I mean, we have to be sensitive to our, to our, this, this patience, um, just because it comes in, in one format. This is what I was saying again, just a moment ago, changing our, 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 the formatting of our operating system. When we get that red dot vision, don't just, you know, throw your hands up in the air and say, okay, yeah, that's it. That's all I'm going to give you and, and move on to something else. I mean, again, Sometimes it'll be the next day that you get the, oh, that's what it was, you know, or it's, it's, it's interesting, the timing. So don't sell yourself short because you didn't get it right here, right now. Again, just stay open to these concepts. And I do have a question actually for you, um, Bill, as far as a target is concerned, when someone says, okay, and they're giving you a test and they write those numbers out, how do they establish that that's the target? How are those numbers associated? Is it like if with that sailboat, for instance, what well, did you see and how did they line that up? Well, the reason they have uh, letters and numbers there is that they can't just tell all of them. Here, here's something that you, you know, they got to keep track of all of them. So they have numbers and letters and say, look, this is your target. The target, the name of this target is XYZ and one, two, three. So that's a target. Now, if, you, if they want you to have, um, I don't know if they have more than one target a day, but say they had three targets they wanted you to find. So they have numbers for each one of them. That's how they can go back and refer to uh, which viewing it was. Now, it's, I think it's just a matter of, of, of how to keep track of them, but you have to have uh, something to go by. You just they can't just tell you, well, there's a black screen, see what you come up with. 
point of reference. Uh, it's their intent then. So when they say, okay, this picture has this letter and numbers associated to it, that's what imprints the target. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Now you can get messages. messages. There's two different things you can get. You can either get a vision, a vision of it, um, or you can get uh, just uh, the words, but the answer. Now, um, uh, let's see, what was I, I was going to use an example there, but I forgot. Um, using a target? Using Numbers. A tar well, I had an example, but I forgot what the example was. <laughs> Go ahead. Wonderful. Uh... Okay, so what I want to do here, just for the sake of time, because I, I want to make sure we get to the questions for the gentleman here. So I'm going to share my screen again here, and I want to go over a few things like you guys are talking about right now. And I think it's fascinating to be able to talk about how to connect with these beings if this is your will and your intent. So the first one, as far as the top three things that you can do to begin or enhance your relationship with these Palladians, with these Arcturians, with, you know, the Lemurians, um, Syrians, whatever it is that you wish to connect with. Because again, it doesn't matter who you're trying to connect with. The intent is what matters. And that's why the first one, in order to connect, you have to stay energetically clean and charged. You have to take care of your temple, as Bill talks about. You can't expect to be making bad choices, feeding yourself poorly, making bad decisions, and then going, <laughs> and let there be a Palladian. It's energetically just does not mesh. So regular meditation to clear ground and charge your energy. We talk about this at Divergence all the time, filling your cup first. You don't heal, you do not extend your services, you don't do anything till you take that mask and you fill up and you're full. When your cup is full, then you're at a position to be able to share and to heal. And this is going to be key in order um, to not only tune in to this frequency of the Palladians, but to also keep it. So here's the thing. If all of a sudden you're doing your meditation and you're doing your work and you're just raising your vibration and all of a sudden you make a whole bunch of poor, bad decisions and you plummet, again, you're going to have to do the work again to be able to establish the channel, the connection. And Bill, you said it so beautifully as well. Loved ones, understand that the way in which they communicate is the same channel that you hear your own voice. How you know it's them versus you is by how it feels. And that's why we're trying to teach you to remain present, to be grounded, to be centered. So when this feeling happens, when you hear this wisdom, when you hear these words, you know the difference. You know if it's them or if you know it's, if it's you. <clears throat> Remember to attract anything in life that we must first make room for it. And then we have to maintain it. And a daily practice of spiritual cleanliness will ensure this. So again, 
the more that you have, you know, I talk about this all the time, open your crown, flush any and all energy that's not yours out your hands and your feet, feed on the universe. This is the first thing before you do meditation, before you ask anything, before you connect, this is part of you cleaning and making sure that you're operating from an energetic level where you can hear these messages. This is where people get so frustrated. They come home from work. They have everyone's energy attached to them. They have a million things going. You can't expect to sit and go and have a, uh, and converse with a, a Palladian. I mean, you got to be really on your game if you're able to do that. Most cannot. And that's why there's a process to this. And it first starts with you. If that's your intention to connect with them, you need to know that you need to raise your bar. You need to go to them. They're not coming down to you. This is the biggest misconception that we have been taught. Source does not come up down to us. The whole point of us being in this earth school is for us to ascend, for us to go to them. For us to develop the skills and the wherewithal and the, the inner knowing so that we can keep ascending and growing ourselves so that we can get to where we need to go. So that we can connect, get the messages we need to keep going. Number two, set intentions to connect and to develop a relationship. Again, it's, it's like wanting to date somebody or to, you know, you have a crush on somebody, but you don't say anything. And you stay quiet. You actually have to put your intentions out there. You have to let them know. You have to initiate the conversation. It's, you got to pick up the phone. It's like, okay, I want to talk to the Palladians, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to call them. I was going to wait for them to call me. That's not how it works. So to connect or attract anything, we must tune into its channel, its frequency and prayers establish that intent. Intentions are prayers. They are words that we put out to the universe so it knows what we want. And here is a beautiful intention, loved ones, to attract the Pleiades. So open your crown, flush, set your intentions. Sweet Pleiades, please send forth a Palladium to connect with me at this time. May I be a channel to accurately, clearly, and easily receive the messages, feelings, and guidance I need. This always being for my best and greatest good. Okay? Even when you feel this, it's beautiful. Again, it's so different than what Bill was talking about. If you're sending your prayers for now, loved ones, from now on, send it to Elohim. Send it to Father. Send it with an intent for it to get to where it's supposed to go so that you get an answer quicker. It's no different when, when you're setting intentions to connect with the Pleiades. Hey, Pleiades, I want to talk to you. That's what you're doing. You've, you're clean. You are charged. Now the universe goes, now what? They can't impose. They can't infringe on our free will. The only reason that happened to Bill is because he made a prior soul contract with them to be an ambassador for them as did i as did darren if you have not established that and you want to make a soul contract with them then attract them pick up the phone and thirdly show up i always find it fascinating people go oh i just i just want to have a connection i want to talk to spirit like you do okay well how often do you call them how often do you talk to them if I want a relationship with someone, 
I need to show up for them. I need to put energy into it. One of my favorite sayings and quotes is feed what you want to grow. Nothing will grow that you don't give attention or energy to, period. So if you want a healthy relationship with them, they need your energy. And the more that you engage and tune into their channel, the stronger and clearer your ability will be to get your messages, to get your inspiration, to get your encouragement and your guidance. And I love what Bill does. Anything that he gets, he always asks for confirmation. So Bill, can you please share that with us, please? Yes. Don't um, accept anything from anyone unless you get a confirmation. You know, if you believe what I tell you, just because I say it, you not only get what you deserve, you deserve exactly what you get. How many years have I been going to church and listening to some preacher tell me how to believe, where to believe, who to believe, when to believe? I've always, um, I had an experience uh, once uh, back in, I was, I lived up in the boonies up the Alaska Highway, uh, 100, 100 miles north of uh, Fort St. John, right in the middle of the wilderness. I was in a group. Uh, that's what brought me to Canada. Because I followed this move. It was called the Sam Fife move. Uh, there might be some information left on the internet. But I was in the, uh, we, we, we got a vision for, to leave the states and come to Canada into the wilderness to cut down a bunch of trees and build cabins and be still and know that I'm God. Oh, you talk about being religious. I've uh, led the pack. Anyway, I was I was there. There was a group of us there, and one day everybody went to town. I was left. I just stayed by behind for some reason. I don't remember. And I'm there. You talk about it in the middle of nowhere. I was just there was just a bunch of moose and wolves around. I was there alone, and uh, I just had a good time with uh, a spirit. I said, you know, I've been in and out of more denominations like Trevor. And all of a sudden, I asked myself, do I believe what I believe because I believe it? Or do I believe it because somebody else told me to believe it? Or do I believe it because somebody else believes it? I said, I just had to come to face to face with myself and say, well, what do I believe? And all of a sudden, the spirit just seemed to say to me, we'll start from the beginning about the Bible. Start from the beginning. So I started uh, in, uh, in Genesis. And um, I was told that, uh, look, the best way you can, now this is my advice. This is what I got. Every, empty your vessel. Empty your brain. Get rid of everything that you believe. Get rid of everything that you don't believe as best as you can clean out that those that brain of yours and make it as uh, empty as possible. And I said, Jesus, when I read the Bible now, I want you to tell me what verse I should embrace and what verse I should leave out and not believe. Well, that started me on a quest. You wouldn't believe how many times I've said to Jesus, he said, I, you know, I would say, I come across a verse reading the Bible and I say, should I, should I embrace this or should I leave it? You wouldn't believe how many times he says, leave it. And I said, but I've been taught that all of my life. It's got to be true. And he says, I know you've been taught that all your life, 
but I didn't teach it to you. So I don't know if it was by accident or something. I, that's, that put me on a quest, and that's really got me where I am today. The only way you can tell when you read the Bible what's true and what's not true, it's just like Jesus said, you got to ask the Father. It's been taken to taken from and added to Constantine and those guys got it all screwed up, but they had to keep, I don't know if there's an unwritten law or whether they, they had to keep some truth in there. They couldn't just have a Bible burning and to, to crucify Jesus, have a Bible burning and never have anything about Christianity. They've used it to their advantage. The two words that has deceived us most through all of uh, all of uh, humanity, there's two words that's deceived us most. And those two words are, Jesus said. If I wanted you to get to believe something and I follow it with Jesus said, well, who the hell is going to argue with that? It ends all discussion. Jesus said it, so it was true. Though uh, the Jesuits, uh, I heard uh, there's a room, somebody said that, somebody overheard the Jesuits saying recently, boy, we got a lot of mileage out of that Jesus fella. All we got to do is say, Jesus said, and then you know the club, the the club of uh, the Jesuits. The club is called the Club of Jesus Christ. If you can believe it. Now, what could be anything wrong with the Club of Jesus Christ? They've even used his name to call their club the most evil bastards on the whole freaking planet. Is the Club of Jesus Christ? So they've got a lot of mileage out of Jesus. Now, there's a lot of things he said is true. And there's a lot of things in the Bible that is, is, is a crock. How do we find out the difference? That's where meditation comes in. That's where asking the Father comes in. You say, should I believe this? Now, if, um, you know, you can meditate alone. But I'm, for instance, I'm driving down the street. I'm going to Safeway or Costco or somewhere. And I'm just having a good time with the Lord. And I'm saying, you know, I ask him some questions. And uh, I want an answer, and all of a sudden, I'll come up behind a car at a red light, and the license plates are three numbers. And I'm saying, is that my answer? The reason, you, the way you find out, you don't have to have a Bible tucked under your arm. You don't have to have a preacher with you. All you have to do is take your phone. You don't even have to, uh, you just type, say that the... Uh, License plate was 444. When you get a chance, pull over to the side, or when you get to where you're going, you get your phone. All you have to do is type in 444. You don't, it, the meaning comes up. You don't even have to Google it. Just put 444 in your phone and puts, puts uh, sin or whatever. And the meaning of 44 will come up, and most likely that will be the answer of your question that you just asked. Now, the mathematicians, you know, like uh, Tesla and, uh, and, and Einstein and those guys, they told you that the language of the universe is mathematics, is numbers. I can believe that because all through my synchronicity, it all has to do with numbers. So pay attention to numbers because it is the language of the universe. It's the language of the spirit. That's how I get most of my confirmation is through synchronicity. 
Absolutely. Look for one, one, one loved ones, you know, look for certain patterns you, before. Tell you how, today, how crazy this gets. <laughs> I get, uh, I, 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 I use uh, filtered water. I have, I go fill my jugs at uh, this Rivasa Herbers osmosis thing. And, uh, they have a dispenser there. You put a loony in and, uh, and fill your jug. And I'm, I'm at this dispenser and it's about, it's after supper between, you know, eight or nine o'clock. And this block where the water place is, there was no body parked on that block. I pulled up to this water place and I'm the only one in the block. And I put, I'm, I'm, I'm just, you know, while my jugs are filling up, I'm kind of thinking about this and thinking about that. I have a question. And what happens, there's a pickup, a white pickup pulls in front of me, my truck that's parked and it goes down about three uh, paces or vehicle paces. And I'm sitting there and I look at the license plate and it was 1111. <laughs> now, that freaking pickup pulled in there just free. Can you imagine? You can look, you know how many hours you got to spend driving through Trump? that town trying to find a license plate that has says 11 11 well that pickup was for me don't you think somebody up there likes me i was asking a question i the first pick the pickup that pulled in there was 11 11 that's how fantastic it can get absolutely for sure and this is part of tuning into the channel if you're wanting to get messages if you're wanting to connect with them and if you're like okay i bill talks about numbers then show me some numbers yeah yeah don't forget to elevate your state of conscious awareness you know increase your observation skills you know don't just ask for these things then put a paper bag over your head and go hide in bed for the rest of the day go out and look Go out and be diligent. Be mindful of a message that could be coming at any moment. You know, be ready for that. Because if you're not paying attention, sometimes you miss those license plates with the one, 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 one. You know, it's again, it's just staying intuitive, being ready, and showing up. Uh, critical components, absolutely. <clears throat> do you do you realize how somebody what what somebody would have to do to make that work? I mean. You come up behind somebody with a license plate. You know that person. Where did he come from? Did, did did he get? You know, all of this. So many things have to come together for this synchronicity to work. I mean, who who was that guy driving that truck or that car? Where did he come from? How did he get happen to be coming to the same place as you? And uh, do you, the two of you meet. You know, it's just it's just crazy how what ability they have to make this synchronicity work. But <clears throat> we're gonna find out one day because that's where we're headed. We're gonna be able to do the same thing, only greater things. And I'm also of a belief system too that because we have a lot of our um, ancestral DNA coming online, that if we just learn to tap into it, they want to connect with us. They want to show off. And so, you know, if we challenge them with numbers, if we challenge them with validation, um, it's amazing how much they rise there. I mean, when I was first coming online, I was like, okay, well do this. I was asking like for ridiculous stuff. And when it would happen, I was like, oh, you know, it was just like, oh. it, it just shook you. And, and notice the response of your body as well. 
it's really like Kim talks about all the time at the top of her head, you know, when it starts to, to buzz or tingle, um, we frequently will get that. That's a sign. How do you just get goosebumps right on the top of your head? Notice <clears throat> how when you listen to certain things, you know, uh, Ravina's one of my queens who's highly responsive to information that we give her. And she just also, and I can just tell because their body just react. Notice those times when your body just comes out of its own meat suit skin for the lack of a better word. But that's, that's spirit. That's a, a frequency trying to tap into your electromagnetic field. Cause that's all we are is this walking EMFs. And they're touching it to help us realize that we are getting in sync with it. Well, you know, that's what, that um, top of your head there, that's where the crown chakra is. And uh, if, we, if we go open that crown chakra and go to the, there's seven chakra, that's the seventh chakra. Now, if we open that and go to the eighth chakra, that's where the Akashic records are. That's where, you know, everything about everything. So the idea is, you know, going up through the chakra system, uh, the last the last chakra is the crown. If you're going to tingling over the head, uh, when we reach the point where we can open that crown chakra at will, that's when we're going to know everything about everything. Absolutely. That brings, oh, go ahead. You can do it every once in a while, you know, the, the, the times I do it, it's, uh, it's it, it very exciting because it doesn't happen very often because we just don't have the ability yet. It's just a matter of, you know, when you have, you you, you people that have had, uh, that are, have, are parents, you know, you have a baby, you have a child, and, you know, the, uh, the, the, the feeling you get when that, that baby uh, for the first time actually looks at you and, and, and knows that you you exist. It's a it's a beautiful feeling, and the time the child gets old enough to ask a question, you realize, hey, you know how how your it, how your heart feels. This kid, your something that came from you, has actually got to the point mature enough where they can actually ask a question. Well. That's what the father, that's what those, all those guys at the Elohim that had uh, responsible for us being here, when we get to the point where we can ask a question, can you imagine the buttons on their chest popping about pain? They're learning, they're growing, they're maturing. That's why they want us to ask questions and mature. And I love that you're saying that. And that's why I've always got the message, you know, where Spears always telling me, get them because they can't interfere. They're not allowed to interact. They're not allowed to influence us without our permission. It's, it's, it's a trespass. And so when we do go, okay, well, if you guys are out there, well then, you know, show me this or show me that, or I want to connect. And literally they will go out and just make miracles happen. They will show up in such grand ways because again, they're losing a lot of us here on earth. That a lot of the channels are compromised right now. They can only speak and tune to certain ones. So the ones that do tune in, who even remotely, even just as long as you're in the rough channel, 
they'll respond. You'll get some kind of a feedback, even if it's a, it's something that, you know, oh, I'm close. And that's, what's beautiful, you know, about talking to people such as you, Bill, um, that have these interactions so that people can start to um, explore that in their spirituality and start getting rid of these buffers and these belief systems that we have to go to a priest, that we have to go to a church. We have to have someone in between us to have these conversations. No, the ringing in the ears. Yes, absolutely, Chris. Ringing in the ears is one of the first signs that spirit is tuning you in. And notice what side it's on. Left is the underdeveloped. Right is the soul side. That's one thing to take into consideration. And with the more, notice that the pitches of the squeals. The squeals come in because they're downloads. They're downloads that our bodies are receiving so that the, whatever we're about to attract, we have some immunity we have some familiarity with what's coming at us so that we can accomplish and overcome it quicker. Yeah, and both ears would be a complete upgrade instead of just the left or the right. You know, again, Jody and I both will experience this. I'll get my left and the right going off all the time. And once in a while, yeah, you'll get both ears going. So that would be, that's even a more profound statement from source suggesting you needed a little something on the left and on the right, in front and behind. Below and you got good and, stuff coming. And above, right? Like it's it's an all-encompassing message, that one. And the more you're buzzing, the more you're getting those downloads, the more you're in line and in, in, in tune. That is complete validation, loved ones. If you are getting any kind of high-pitched squeals in your ear, if you are seeing numbers, you are on the way to enlightenment. You are on the way to ascension. <clears throat> And now it's just about fine tuning it. Now it's about turning up the volume. Now you're on the channel. Now it's about turning up the volume. Yeah. And someone is posting here about, you know, the, the constant ringing, uh, the constant downloads. Yeah. I've, I've experienced that myself years straight of constant ear ringing. Well, and I'm looking at that thinking, okay, well, there you go. That's, that's us being our operating systems being upgraded. You know, you got to schedule a time so that your iPhone can do its upgrade. Well, if you're not scheduling the time, does the upgrade happen? Well, if the upgrade is important enough, they'll force it. And, you know, we hear about ringing. Also look for visuals. Everything when you first start awakening happens in your peripheral. So look for streaks of light. It can be dark. When it first happened to me and I started activating, I saw dark and it kind of scared me. I'm like, oh my goodness, like I'm activating all these dark spirits. What's going on? But no, that's just your third eye. As it develops, it will become more in tune. If it's dealing with the channel that's this wide, the color is going to be distorted. As it tunes itself, then you're going to get clearer. Uh, then it'll turn to white. It'll start, sometimes turn to little spots of color. White are angels, in my spiritual opinion. Uh, any colors are archangels. Okay. I don't find angels touch. That's usually spirit. So spirit is the one that will usually touch us. Oh, Bill, you have something to say? <laughs> well, about the third eye. <clears throat> that's uh that's where it's at you know right here in this this third eye and uh i've been fortunate like i say i i told you a while ago that i i used uh, filtered water 
the, the one of the things they've damaged, you know, the chlorine and fluoride in the water uh, calcifies the, uh, the pineal gland, pineal gland. And uh, I've been fortunate enough for, the, for years, I've been, and the only water I get outside of the house is like Tim Horton's coffee or the restaurant or something like that. But mainly by, uh, I've watched my diet as, you know, not 100%, as much as I could and drink water. So my, my, my pineal gland is fairly clear. And I've got to where I, when I close my eyes, it happens mostly, you know, in this sleep wake, you know, when you're dozing off to take a nap or you're waking up from that, it's that sleep stage. And I've got to where I can see so clear that sometimes I have to open my eyes to see if they're closed. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's amazing. And uh, there's a difference. You can see a vision. I just had a vision lately about uh, Kim, that, uh, that Kim Kogan. But I can tell you how to see a vision. Uh, for instance, uh, you know, your house where you live. Well, picture your house, your house where you live. Uh, picture the front door. You know, can you see? You can see the front door in your mind. Well, go down and look at that doorknob. You can see the doorknob in your mind. We'll, we'll look at the keyhole. You know, that's that's the mind's eye. You know, you can see that. You see that all the time in your memory. Well, a vision is like that. Only it's uh, so much brighter and so much clearer and the technicolor. That's when you know you, you you're not just seeing your house from your memory. You're actually seeing a vision from uh, you know the third eye. Um, so uh, it's as easy to see a vision as it is. Did you ever see a log out in the middle of a, a lake and you swim out there and you try to stand on it? How easy it is to fall off? That's how easy it is to see a vision. It's like falling off. It's so simple like falling off a log in the river. It's just a matter of uh, allowing it to happen. It'll happen. I mean, we're all, gonna, we're all going there. So uh, yeah, it's it, I'm uh, I'm having fun with this third eye business. <laughs> Absolutely, and you know I will give you a piece of advice as well, loved ones. If you are wanting to connect, if your intention is to go to the next level, you have to be mindful of what you're putting in your body and on your body. And thank you, Bill, Bill, for touching on this because when I first started coming into my spirituality, this is, would have been about eleven years ago. One of the first things, and I had a teacher come up to me and she goes, well, you're not using toothpaste though, right? <laughs> of course I'm using toothpaste. What are you talking about? She's like, well, the fluoride. And I was like, what are you talking about? She's like, Jody, it's a byproduct of industrial companies. And they had, there was so much of this toxic waste. They didn't know what to do with it. So they negotiated with the government to put it into something that would make us numb and dumb. And what's something that we do to ourselves morning and night with our teeth? What a perfect place to put it. So my advice to you is if you are wanting to go to the next level, you have to clean yourself. And if you're putting things into your body that are calcifying the um, receptor that sends the signal, your messages are going to be unclear. If you're even able to hear them at all. Clean up your water. Clean up what you put in your mouth for toothpaste. That is where you start. 
It's a simple recipe. You can do baking soda. You can do coconut oil, add some essential oils on there. That's it. Nice and simple. Stop putting fluoride in your mouth. Stop drinking fluoride. We're not going to get into flour and sugar and don't get me wrong. Darren and I have flour and sugar. It's just, we have to be more mindful or learn how to alchemize or to transmute the energy of what we eat. And we'll get into that at a later course. But if you are wanting to do this, a strong message is coming in. You have to clean up your pineal. So use toothpaste that does not have fluoride and fine water that is not fluoride infected because they have put it into everything they can to dumb us down. Yeah, I use, um, for years, uh, when I brush my teeth, I use uh, hydrogen peroxide. I have it in, a, in a, spray, a spray bottle. So you spray your toothbrush. Um, I was lucky enough to find one of those old toothbrushes with the real bristles, not that those plastic things. But I squirt the toothbrush and uh, brush your teeth, it not only it uh, disinfects, you'll never have to worry about germs on your toothbrush. But then uh, every other day or so, I will dip that uh, hydrogen peroxide wet toothbrush in some baking soda. And uh, well, that really gets scrubs your teeth. But I'll caution you, don't use Arm & Hammer. They have chemicals in the Arm & Hammer. Go to the health food store, and get the, get the right, the good stuff, the real hydrogen peroxide. You can use Harm and Hammer if you want to clean your counter or your pots and pans, but uh, I wouldn't and just buy if you, I guess it's okay to brush your teeth with it, but don't swallow it. Just if you're going to brush, I just get, go to the health food store and get the real stuff. Excellent. Wonderful. So that was a little sidebar, but again, any messages that are coming in, it's so important that we, we funnel these to you so that, again, if these are your intentions, you can get there as quickly as possible. So we are on to our question and answers, although we have been answering quite a few questions as we go. There are a few that I do want to cover here. So we'll rip through these as, as quickly as we can just to kind of get them on the record. So the first question being, gentlemen, being raised in a church environment, we had a question come in. What is the Holy Spirit then? So Bill, we'll get you to start, please. That's that spirit that Jesus said that he and the Father would send us to teach us all things. This Holy Spirit is that voice that we've been talking about. Not your voice, but the voice. That, you got a question? There's no question you can come up with. That's not, they're not able to answer. If you have a question that doesn't matter how simple it is or how deep it is, ask, instead of praying, just say, uh, you know, I want to know something. Can you tell me uh, whatever you want to know? I don't care what question it is. Um, ask a question and, uh, and just wait. You might, get the, you might get the answer right away. You might get it the next day. You might get it the next week. But you will know I get my answers, like I say, with synchronicity, with the reoccurring numbers. You don't have to go to uh, the church and, uh, and ask a priest what the answer is. You don't have to go and ask your preacher. Uh, we all have that. If you, have, if you belong to Christ, 
what you do. We all have the same DNA as Christ. We are related. If you are related, you will get the answer. Now, how it comes, they will, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit will let you know uniquely in a way that you will understand. It might not make any sense to anybody else. When I say, tell some people I get some answers from 111, they say, what? Are you Are you crazy? Are you, you must be touching the head. Well, that's a fact. You're going to get an answer. I don't know if it's going to be uh, numbers or whatever, but if you ask a question, seriously, you want to know the answer, just wait for the answer. And it's really fun to realize when you... They'll give you the answer in a way that you will understand that's unique to you. There is no one set way. It's, it, it's an individual thing. So uh, forget about praying. Just ask. Intentions, beautiful. And, you know, when we, it's beautiful when you said that the Holy Spirit is all things. Well, we know that to come from the Akashic Records. So when you think of the Holy Spirit, the Akashic Records holds all that ever has been, all that ever will be, all that ever has been. <clears throat> so when you think about, you know, the Holy Spirit, in a way, it's about connecting to all that is to give us the information of what it is that we need. Yeah, and I'll just finish that one. It's telling us, it's encouraging us to look beyond the material. Look beyond the things you can see. Open your mind. Create a space for other possibilities. Otherwise, our growth is limited to a 3D construct. Number two. Yes, well, uh, oh, also, the, uh, boy, I, they, my thoughts get away pretty quick about, oh, okay. Okay, carry on. I lost it. Okay. All right. So here's another question. What else has been hidden or manipulated in the Bible that is vital for us to know? I'm not here. Well, I'll field that one first and foremost. Again, equity, the, uh, the opposing or the antithesis to iniquity. That one has been greatly, greatly hidden or, or, camouflaged or buried again in the king james bible alone equity is mentioned about 10 times i went and did a little bit of surfing in some of these other versions of the bible and the word equity has been removed altogether so if you don't know the fundamentals of what equity is you're actually missing an entire entire scope of what the bible is really trying to tell us Again, the equity is the balance, it's the fairness, it's the justice, it's the truth, it's the honor, it's the uprightness, it's the righteousness. It's the other side of the Hammurabi. <laughs> it's, again, it's it's a critical component, which is why they definitely attacked that one first. Yes, it's still in there, but you have to know how to read it. You have to know what you're looking for. And this is where spirit, to piggyback on question number one, if you read the book word for word and you 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 leave it to your own process to understand it you'll certainly be lacking potential we need that where's that other voice coming from where's that other that that inherent wisdom that you didn't have 10 minutes ago but all of a sudden you got some where did that come from well again that would be that would be voice of spirit coming in so for me that would be my go-to answer is what have they hidden or manipulated for me definitely equity is one of the big ones 
How about you, Bill? What do you feel has been hidden or manipulated from the Bible that's vital? That are oh, that, oh, that's easy. I can hit that one right with, between the eyes. The thing that's been hidden from us is the truth. <laughs> it's a matter, you know, about this belief. Uh, I mean, I hope this don't get too long, but I want to explain belief to you. You know, every church will tell you, oh, if if if, if you don't believe, you you're gonna you're got a one way ticket to hell. You've got to believe. Well, the last time I went to the States to visit, I uh, went through the airport and uh, I found that uh, everything is facial recognition. You, don't even, you just walk through and you take a picture of your face. And I thought about, well, you know, uh, my fingerprints, there's nobody else in, on out of 7.8 billion people that has the same fingerprint I do. And I got to thinking, well, my DNA, nobody has the same DNA that I do. And uh, nobody, my eyes, you've heard of iridology. There's nobody that has eyes exactly like mine. Well, you know where I'm going with this. Uh, out of 1.8 billion people on planet Earth, I am unique. You think these guys that put us together, you think they're not smart? Uh, how can you make uh, 7.8 billion people and they're all different? And that's not even counting the ones that's gone, been before us. So what I was saying, I am unique to any 7.8 billion in the people. Now, say, for instance, if you could take my brain and make an imprint of it, like my fingerprint, my belief system, there is not one person out of 7.8 billion that has the same belief I do. We never, none of us ever believe exactly the same way when you get to the microscopic but down to yeah, dissecting everybody's brain, nobody. So you don't ever expect me. I don't don't expect me to believe what you. And I'm so even in a congregation and a church, nobody believes the same thing when you get down to the microscope. So this belief system. That's why you can stuff belief up your nose. Is because do you think Jesus would be stupid enough to set up some system based on man's belief when? We don't know what to believe. We don't know where to believe. We don't know where to what. So forget this belief system. You go to church. There's even churches that's called the believer's church. So anyway, you know what? As far as I'm concerned, what you can do with belief, you can stick it up your nose because we all believe different. Now, it's nice what you do believe. You need to do believe the right thing, but don't pin us down to having the same exact belief, every one of us. Exactly. And that's where feeling it comes in. A lot of it is through our belief systems, through our own personal filters. So that was fantastic. Thank you, gentlemen. Now, next question. What does it mean when Jesus nailed the law and the sin to the cross? Now, you've mentioned this a couple times, Bill. So let's get uh, both of uh, the opinions here. What do you feel it means, Bill, mm -hmm. when this nailed the law and the sin to the cross. Well, it goes back to that Sumerian, the Sumerian laws. And when Jehovah and Moses got together, I don't know who, is, who you blame, probably Jehovah. They said, let's take those laws and uh, tie them to people and make them believe that if they don't do what we say or obey what the laws, that they're going to sin and go to hell. <clears throat> That's what the the farce of it all, 
Jesus came along and said, you know, played uh, Jehovah's silly game, obeyed all of them. And when he obeyed all of them, that was the only stipulation Jehovah had. If you believe all of these, if you obey all of these, then I'm going to determine you righteous. Well, since no human could uh, obey him, Jesus came along as a God and he said, okay, you know, he played a Jehovah's silly game and he obeyed and he became righteous. That's why we're all righteous. So when he knew the, the law to the cross, when he got rid of the law, there was only one commandment in the Old Testament. That was the, the sin of unbelief, what I, just, what I just addressed. If you didn't believe, you, you know, Jehovah was, was pretty angry. But uh, the law... <clears throat> Like I say, there was only one sin, sin of unbelief. The rest of it was just uh, trans- the law, transgression of the law. Do you realize when there is no law, there is no transgression? So when Jesus took the law away and nailed it to the cross, that did away with all transgressions. You can, it's impossible if uh, you go down drive down the street and the speed, let me go into a, to a, a, a speed zone and it's 30 30 kilometers an hour. Well, that's that's a law. Now, what if somebody invaded the country like China or Russia or somebody, uh, say Putin, say Putin invaded Russia and the North America and he's just, ah, these speed laws are, are, you know, I'm gonna change that. I'm gonna do away with that law. Well, when you went uh, in the speed zone, 30 miles, 30 clicks an hour, yesterday and there's no speed sign there today are you speeding no the law's been the speed sign's been taken down you can go 90 miles an hour but you can still hit a brick wall and kill yourself but there's no law we shouldn't have to have a law telling us that we have to um, believe not committed up not sin not murder somebody we don't need to settle laws so that's what nailing the law and sin to the cross he did away with. There are no laws. We, like I say, if you have one obligation, you're not free. Just when Jesus sets you free, you are free indeed. You make one law. It's right. But oh, I like that. Oh, that was very good. Thank you, Bill. Fascinating. Okay, moving on to the next question. Um, This is going to be more for you, Bill, as far as how does it feel to be contacted by a Palladian, and how do you initiate contact? Well, first off, it's fantastic to be to be honored, to be singled out, to uh, to be actually speaking to a Palladian. But uh, I uh, I have a problem of see. We keep talking about Palladians. Uh, I want to call it the Father, just like Jesus. You know, they're all Pleiadians there, but Jesus is there with it down to just the Father, that spirit that teaches us all things. So it's not so much being contacted by the Pleiadians, it's the Father actually talking to me and answering my questions. The, the Father, you, can you imagine the Father speaking to you personally? Now, Jesus said, I'm going to go to the Father, and we're going to send you back the Spirit of Truth. Now, if that's not true, Jesus was a fraud, a fake, and an imposter. And we know that he's not. 
So when he said it, we can hear personally from the Father and uh, we are all special. I'm no special than anybody else. Even the least to the greatest can hear. All you have to do, I like to say, I'm I'm not special. You all hear. We all hear. We just don't realize it. Did I lose somebody? I can't. Sorry. What special messages would you say that the Palladians have for us right now then? That was one of our questions we had. Get rid of religion. Get rid of academia. Get rid of the academia. Can you explain academia? College world. (laughs) The Rockefellers. The Rockefellers and the Rothschilds version of everything. Okay. Get rid of that. No. I've a lot, there's a lot of parents that sent their children off to academia, like uh, the uh, uh, the uh, colleges like uh, Yale and Harvard and those guys, even down to the high schools, they have been taught, um, like I say, the kids go off to college and they come back a different person. Parents doesn't even recognize them. They've been turned into socialists. They have been, uh, they have been, their minds have been raped into, you see, you have capitalism, socialism, and communism. The way from capitalism to communism is socialism. That's why it's a soft kill. Get us all into, you want to have tears come to your eyes. Read about that girl that escaped from North Korea. Her name is Park, I think. She was born in North Korea. And, and, and that's where socialism will lead you as to communism. The sad thing is she was, when she uh, finally got out, someone took her to the store one time to buy clothes, buy her some clothes. They were in a department store and there were some tops, like uh, pullover tops hanging on a rack. And they said, uh, which one would you like? Would you like a blue one or this white one or this red one? And she said, you mean I can choose? She hadn't any idea what it was like to choose even a top. This is where socialism will take you. This is where academia will take you. So we've got to get rid of all of these empires, religion, academia, the the schools of learning, all of these colleges, they're run by the Rockefellers, they're run by the Jesuits, even the pharmaceutical companies, they're just poisoning us, they're just uh, drug dealers. So everything is going to be cleaned out. And I'm thinking this is red October. I, I think, you know, this thing that's everybody's got the hair on their back and that raised, something big is going to happen either in October or red You know, I hate that. I've gotten a lot of trouble quoting dates, but it's so close. It All of these things that we've been praying for, for, people have been praying for these things for like thousands of years. Do you realize how privileged we are to be alive on planet Earth today, the most exciting time to be alive on planet Earth? And I'm hitting these guys right between the eyes, the Vatican and the, the, the Jesuits and the, 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 the Pope, you know, I'm putting myself in the crosshairs. Now, here in Canada, you know, when you reach uh, 70, I think you have to have a physical for uh, driver, get your driver's license, which is a fee. And you go to get another, that's your physical. 
go to get your driver license. That's another fee. Well, uh, when you get the physical, you get your eyes checked and how much wax you have in your ears. But I go for the Bomondi. I tell the doctor, give me a full physical. Well, this last month, I had a physical. And the doctor told me that uh, I have the heart and the kidneys of a 30-year-old. So there, if, if I could drop dead tomorrow, but if you hear about me uh, being hung from a doorknob, you'll know that I had a little help. I wouldn't take myself out of the loop now for anything because this is the most exciting, you know, in the future. It's, it's so indescribably fantastic what's just around the corner. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's just so beautiful. Beautiful. And you know what? It, there, it is an exciting time and there is so much beauty that people that understand what's going on are able to keep their eye on but there are many that cannot and that moves us into our next question here for you and i'd actually like to take it from both of you gentlemen because again there is a clear line in the sand that's going on with people who want to put certain things in their body and believe the narrative versus people who don't want to put something in their body and see the programming behind it Now, how do we teach the process of enlightenment to our loved ones that are fearful, uncertain, and believe that their singular life on earth is all there is? Is the ability to let go of those we care so deeply about one of the lessons we are here to learn? So, gentlemen, how do we deal with loved ones who think completely polar opposite of us? How... How do we deal with that, especially when they're close to us? Well, <clears throat> we were told uh, through the teachings of the wise one to not attach to our earthly families first and foremost. Connect with spirit father and the holy, the holy rulers, if you will. They will provide the guiding light. Not your mom, not your dad, not your brother. They are all confused Every single one of them. I haven't met one yet that's not confused. So take that with a grain of salt. Again, place your questions in 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 a party or or in a in a in, a, in an entity that has the capability of providing the correct answers. Don't be looking for wisdom, truth, honesty, and all those good things from people that are walking around as graven images, so sick, so deathly, so full of sin that they don't know what's up or down direct your energies where they would be most appropriate to start with for sure. And again, also not taking it personally. When I got, you know, when I was starting to come to understand what was going on with all of the present affairs, that was one thing I just, I was trying to connect to these, these people and convince them. And I could tell that there was just a wall. And I was reminded of, a teaching that one of my earlier um, wise guides taught me. And it's not to interfere with another soul's lesson. And at the same time, you ha- we all have our higher selves. And that higher self is directing each and every one of us. And when we go out of our lane and we bash our cart into another being to tell them what they're doing wrong. It can actually take their cart and get them further off track. So this is why we are such 
huge advocates of staying in your own lane, doing your own work, understanding that if that soul is deciding to go offline, okay, they're putting something into their body, their higher self is directing it. Their higher self on some level knows that they are offline and they're not able to come online for the ascension and what's supposed to happen. So that soul loves us all enough that they're going to take themselves offline to create room for what we're trying to do. That's why I send these, lo these loved ones love and light and, and gratitude. Thank you. Because if there's so many, and, and we didn't realize how many were offline until we realized the narrative and it came in and how many bought it and how many didn't. And if a soul wants to put something in their body, loved ones, let them. It's their body. It's their meat suit. It is their life. No one has a right to go in and say, you're making a wrong decision. Nothing is happening that shouldn't be happening. So for us to go and crash our opinion cart based on our belief systems into someone else's lane when they are doing the greatest act of love right now for our ascension, a big chunk of them have to go home. They do in order for us to make room for what we need to do. If they're meant to come back online, they will. And we have to trust that source or their higher self or they will find their way back if they're meant to. I mean, yes, I believe in med beds. There's some people we're going to be able to save. I already have a list of my friends who went, oh my God, Jody, I screwed up. Now I, I was so against what you were doing and I couldn't understand why you were fighting this. And I get it now. I've just lost this person, this person, this person. I have all these side effects. I can't believe I didn't see it. Saying, what do I do, Jody? And I have to tell them, you have to wait till the med beds come. Hang on. Do the best you can between now and then. So Get there are ones we can save. Uh, but the ones that battle us all the time, stop feeding them. Stay in your own lane. The best way for the world to ascend is for us to each individually do our own work. And through example, they will come to us and go, wow. What are you doing? You look great, or you're glowing, or why are you so happy? Or things seem to be going your way. What are you what are you involved with? I'm a firm believer that we need to live in such a way that people come to us, we don't go to them. Yes, you can be inspired to put out messages, to put out concerns. You'll see my posts. I do. I but I don't feed the narrative. It's already got enough people feeding it. I just try to put my sprinkles of light out there. And the ones that catch it do. And they, they message me all the time. I've taught a lot of people in the past. And when I came out right away going, ah, oh, this is wrong. I got a lot of flack. A lot of us did. But again, if we're going to help people get to enlightenment, we do this by example, not by shoving it down their throat or going, look at me, my new refound meditation skills. I'm so much better than you. And let me show you all your faults and why you need to do this as well. That doesn't help. Never mind when it's your spouse or a family member. Mm. 
you're gonna you want to see some resistance yeah, it's a it's a tough go but again that's part of the tribulations that we're living right now is how do we deal with the tough go so that we learn something tough if you want to learn a whole bunch of marshmallow lessons have at it i'd rather learn the brick to the forehead lessons i'm thinking there's going to be that's more jump timelines there's going to be more value with those versions but uh yeah okay last question should we be afraid of the reptilians? I know we talk a lot about them, but let's shed a little bit of light on that. Bill, I'm going to let you start with that. Um, should, we, should we be afraid of the reptilians? Well, I would say yes, because they've been our problem for the last 6,000 years. But I'm going to have to correct myself no, we should not be afraid of the reptilians because that's their food. That's their dessert. The more afraid they can make us, they're just sucking it right up and they get more energy by our fear. So we've got to quit fearing the reptilians. Um, I was surprised to find out, you know, there's bad reptilians and there's good reptilians. There's bad Palladians and there's good Palladians. I'll turn all of those guys You've heard the term as above, so below. You know, we've got scumbags on earth here. We've got serial killers. We've got rapists. We've got thieves. But we, you know, there's planes flying around 747s. You can walk out the door and one can fall on your head. But you can't be afraid. You have to go out and not, and not be afraid, even though there's bad guys out there. So um, we, no, don't be afraid of anything. Know that you're, you belong to the Father, those that invented us, and everything is going to work out just fine when we find, actually get it through our thick head and know good and evil that qualifies us to go on through the universe doing what we've been invented, created for, then, uh, but no, the, the the simple answer is don't be afraid of the of reptilians. Be just wise to the devices of their of wise to their devices. They have been beguiling us. You know, Eve was not the only one that got screwed. We we get screwed every time we turn it to, every time we get up. So just be wise of uh, of the reptilians. Don't be afraid of them. Just um, Stand your ground and ab about these people, how are we going to save? How can we help our loved ones? I know better than most people for the last 50 or 60 years. I've been a conspiracy theorist. I've been trying to wake people up. And, you know, in the last 50 or 60 years, the people that I've actually got through to and woke up, I can probably count on one hand. There's just some people. If uh, I, now I'll give an example of if you're go, if somebody you see somebody going to hell. Now I don't believe in hell. I'm just giving that as an example. You see someone going to hell and you you grab a hold of their hand and you start pulling them. No, no, don't go that way. Don't go to hell. Come on. So the the further you know they just keep pulling you further and further. There comes a point that you're gonna have you either gonna go have to go to hell with them or you're gonna have to turn loose. So. These people that that insist on taking the V, you see people riding around with a car in a car with a roll with a window rolled up with a mask on. You can't help those people. 
the, the, there's no help. You've got to realize that uh, I have heard something that would almost made me cry the other day. This woman said, well, I had to get the V because I want to go see my grandkids. Well, if you follow that to the end, if you follow that to the end, she, you know, we've been told don't trade safety for liberty. She just traded her safety, her liberty for safety. If you follow that to the end, her grandkids will never know freedom. It right leads right to tyranny. That's the sad part of it is. So you can't say some people, when, when I tell somebody something and they say, well, I gotta check this out. So they go to the fact checker. And when they go to tell me, come back and tell me, oh, I went to the fact checker, you're, you're just, you're, you're wrong. Well, all I can tell those people is to turn over and go back to sleep. We'll just wake you up when it's all over. Oh, what a beautiful way of saying that. Okay, I'm gonna throw one more on there for the fearing the reptilians. Let's just say the fear is real. Let's just assume that a lot of people are fearing it. Let's use that then as a motivator. Get yourself in a position where you're no longer fearful. Do your work. Find your faith. Get yourself clean. Get yourself healthy. Get yourself empowered. Get yourself surrounded by loved ones who actually give a shit about you. And watch what happens to your life. Yep. That's right. Feed what you want to grow. That is huge. Put energy into things that make you feel good, that bring you joy. And when you are putting them into black holes, there's a reason we're black sheep. Because they're not supposed to be in the black holes. <laughs> so be a black sheep. Own it. Wear it. Know that you are meant to make jumps on a energetic and quantum level for your family. And the only way you do that is if you stay in your own lane and do your own work. And we're big advocates of that. And so we know we've run a little bit later here. Um, Bill has actually offered to stay on any of our Kinder Garden uh, classes uh, to kind of put in some Bible study afterwards, to be able to put a new spin and understanding, to drop his new messages with us. So thank you so much for offering that. It's fantastic. And we will definitely take you up on that offer. Um, in closing, we are going to talk about our part two to this. Um, we've you kind of laid a very nice foundation and part two is when divergence is going to go into equity and aliens. So we're going to talk about the hidden half of the Hammurabi code. They, they kept the legal side and they removed the equity side. So we're going to talk about that because we're getting some messages on that right now. We're going to talk about identifying the aliens among us. So Darren, do you want to talk on that briefly? Um, they're a lot closer than you think. They're a lot closer to your heart than you might think. And once you have the equity eyeballs, you'll be able to see who the real aliens are. And for example, I'm going to throw one out there that there's probably three aliens on this Zoom meeting tonight. Once we start to identify who the aliens are and how they relate to the legal system, you're going to get some interesting equitable twists here as to who the parties to this contract are. It's going to be pretty neat. So keep your heart open, loved ones. Keep your mind open. Feel this energy. That's all we ask. We're not trying to brainwash you. We're saying we're going to drop new information. You don't think there's new information coming? Get used to it. This is a slow drip to see how your meat suit handles it and to be able to learn tools so that you learn how to process it. 
So that's why we're going to go into something also called alien and scripture. So we're going to start like Bill's been talking about. There's a lot of scripture that talks about alien. I had no idea. Why is the Bible talking about something outside of our scope? I was taught as a Jehovah's Witness that nothing happens outside of the world. That everything, there's no existence outside. So to hear that the Bible talks about alien, like, wow, it's just, again, those more and more filters that are coming off. And yeah, yeah, the book of Enoch, the book of Toth. Uh, there's, again, there's a lots more information hiding around the corner for us. If you're willing to seek it, if you're willing to go there uh, for the most of the, the Bible Kool-Aid drinkers, they're not interested in that word at all. So again, it's all about how much work and how much obedience you want to apply to this situation. But uh, yeah, there's, there's some neat, neat twists coming to this story. And I was telling, you know, Darren already knew he wanted to do part two. And so he was just doing a, a little bit of research and we already have a whole page of information that came in and scripture and how it relates. And again, when you read it with equity eyes, it has a whole other meaning. It's like the trend. It just makes so much more sense. So we're so excited to share this with you. And the last part about Christ's return clarified. We think, so, we, think we have a few insights here that might want to, you know, tune in your DNA antenna. Uh, Cause you might want to hear some of these answers, but uh, yeah, stay tuned. And again, the Bible did not end in revelation. The story is still playing out. We are all the story. We're writing the third Testament right now. Very few people know it though. So, so keep that, keep that quiet. If you don't want to be called more of a conspiracy theorist, if you like, we were asked <laughs> to look for certain things in the Bible. There was, you know, Bill talks about certain check marks, boxes that need to be checked to know that we are in those times. We're in those times right now, loved ones. And this is one thing as someone who's read the Bible and is very, you know, astute with it. I was like, I don't even know how I missed that, that the Bible's still going. The, the last chapters haven't been written. We were told to look for certain things. And again, the, the, the elite did a great job of just distracting us and keeping us busy and working. And how many of us are reading the Bible nowadays? You go to church. I can guarantee you most of those people are not sitting there scoping the Bible. They're doing what they have to. So we got distracted. And now this is about bringing us back onto that channel again and, and remembering where we are and what's being asked of us and what's going on right now and why this is so monumental as far as the decisions and the, the choices we make with our body. Did you want to talk about that? They can see this. I know. Screen. We're going to show you real quickly. This is the last thing I promise. Okay. So this is, this is a verse that we are looking at earlier today, as a matter of fact, and we don't really need to read the whole thing here. We can post it on the group for you to, it's on this page, uh, to take a, take a look at, but you're going to have to read this one a few times to, to kind of finally put the, uh, the equity eyes into perspective to see what this is talking about here. But, um, what's the best way to do this? I'm not going to talk about this right now we're going to save this for part two so it's important that you you know take a look at this right now we're not interested in feedback on this right now but consider this for information for the next uh meeting that we have regarding this but once you have a look at this you're going to start to feel a certain sense of we're going to be correcting a mistake an error in the record 
one of us, either it's us or the state, is presumed to be an alien right now. So depending on that relationship and depending on how our perspective is tuned, we're going to want to fix an error. And if you go right to the bottom here, for this error, it happened to all the people. So that ties into the, you know, we're born into sin, but how do we get out? Okay, so this is going to be an incredible journey as this thing starts to unfold. But again, we're talking about uh, commandments here. We're talking about they knew they set us up to fail. And then they're just watching us to see how we reacted to it, how we responded to it. Did we overcome the burden of sin? Did we ascend? Did we make the, the journey? You know, um, this is some pretty loaded stuff coming up. And I definitely encourage you to, to come around for the next time we talk about this stuff. So that won't be next week. It'll be the following week. Um, we next week are going to be talking about one of the first commandments from the four commandments. And Kim, what is that one, please? Way to put me on the spot. I'm going places with this. It's um, the, the power of your word. Yes absolutely so we're gonna go and speak about that we're gonna talk about spells that you actually put out to people through your words your thoughts how they become viruses once they are accepted as belief systems and how we're going around and we are actually practicing black magic with our words and we don't even know it this is why we are so adamant about being mindful of your words. Be careful of what you are speaking. Um, we are going to put up some posts about this, but we've got some fantastic information that came on or came in. It's going to help us really tweak this, take this to the next level. We're going to be jumping around a lot. We're going from advanced to beginners to intermediate to cover all the different people that we're bringing in. So again, October 22nd, thank you, Kim, is when we're going to do the Aliens of Equity next um, Friday, we're going to be doing the uh, the first agreement, which is the power of your word. And just let me jump backwards real here quick uh, to answer one of those questions respecting Alexander the Great. Yes, way back in his time, he paved the way for Christianity as we know it today. Was that an element or was that an example of the first kingdom of, of the father being restored here on earth? I'm going to say, yeah, it was an attempt at it, but it wasn't successful. It paved the way for who? For us. We were the ones meant to put the final story in place. And that's why we're not going to give up. And we're going to keep going because we got a job to do. Some of us are on a mission. That's right. If you choose to accept it. Yeah. I'll drink your Kool-Aid, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just can't help you keep dropping that joke anyways loved ones thank you so much for showing up we know this one went a little bit long but again when we have a wonderful speaker um like bill on we want to just take advantage of him as much as we can so thank you for showing up bill for uh, gracing us with your wisdom Thanks, and bill. your insights it was fantastic we hope to have you back again in fact if you can join us um on that um aliens and equity we would absolutely love that that would be fantastic we'll be putting this up on youtube kim is is there anything else that I need to mention? Nope, that's pretty much everything. Okay, is there any last minute questions that any of you have at all, please? Or did we kind of, I think we did a good job of covering a lot of those. We did some, we covered some ground. Okay, I think we're yes, good. I've had fun and anytime you wanna do it again, I'm in. Excellent.
I'll be in touch with you, my friend. Thank you, brother. <laughs> love you, Bill. Thank you so much. Love you, loved ones. Love and absolutely, everybody. we'll see you all soon.